Uh, hello there. What's up, everybody? It's uh, Wes, Hank, and Andy back for, uh, wow, chapter 18. 18. I was going to say 19. I, I don't know why yeah. I made that mistake earlier today. Chapter 18 of uh, The Mandalorian. It is The Minds of Mandalore. Crazy. Not The Minds of Moria. <laughs> Wrong franchise. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good. Amazing. Amazing. I'm, I'm stoked to talk about this episode today. I'm sure, sure. over the moon. This is, this is, you know, when when I say like I, I'm expecting too much of the uh, the other shows, um, this is what I'm talking about. When I went, this is what I want. Uh, they over delivered. Yeah, I like I like it when they over deliver. Oh. How do you one up Luke Skywalker? Right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that wasn't working for me. I had to switch up headsets here. That just driving my ears and that's sorry about that yeah so no, no, you're okay so the question is how do you one up luke skywalker how do you uh okay well uh there's are... coming <laughs> there's a couple of ways Spoilers. you can do that wow yeah 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 <laughs> before we get into our uh, sort of initial what did you think about it let me get let me get this set up here so we can uh have a see there we are perfect Ooh. there we are I like to have a little splash page mm -hmm. just to uh, sort of set the tone for where we're going. Uh, guys, if you were with us this afternoon on the live stream, thank you very much for tuning in as we uh, continue to double drop these uh, Sundays with both The Bad Batch and The Mandalorian. Um, if you haven't, go check out the YouTube channel. We do have a, another review series there. It's called The Fan Batch, where we review every new episode of uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch. Catch us in the replay. We want to hear all your uh, comments and questions about those episodes as we do them. It's kind of why we do them as a live stream, so we can all hang out together and sort of explore this thing as one big, weird Star Wars family. Community. <laughs> Community. No, no, dude. We're a family. That's that's. There's no no question about it right now. We're a family. All right. <laughs> Guys, the minds of Mandalore. Man. What, what did you think? Commune with your family. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh I did not expect it to go this big, this quick. Sure, sure. I thought for sure there'd be a couple more, you know, let's say droid adventures in, in based on where we left IG-11 last episode. Oh, okay. Side, Side quests. quests. Side yeah. quests. The I game mean, just started and you went right to the end of the game. So I'm not the <laughs> only one who thought that. I'm like, wow, we just spent the entire, uh, what I thought was going to be the entire season, we did it in uh, one episode. Yeah, basically. Well, two, so, technically. So that means well, that just whatever's happening is bigger than just this. <laughs> whatever's about yeah. to happen is bigger than just okay, we're on Mandalore. Like which is, you know, and for me this is like it's that untapped stuff like uh Clone Wars did it for the for the clones and I got to admit that beyond just cool factor Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith didn't give me that uh i don't know that that yearning for the for clone like I, you know for, to turn my attention to them to really care about them and stuff like that it was all okay. like it was like video games and and uh novels and things that helped flesh those guys out for me so when clone wars hit i was like yeah that's exactly what so it changed them from what uh the empire is currently perceiving them as yeah. to endearing characters to us and so with mandalore we've only had little yeah. snippets of that we've got a we got like one or two characters that are representative of mandalore we have a little bit of the history we've got 
maybe six Clone Wars episodes, maybe four Rebels episodes, although Sabine is Mandalorian. She, you know, uh, she's almost on a, a, a different arc, although it comes back around. So we're plumbing stuff like Star Wars deep lore. Remember, like we're always yeah. talking about how uh, one third of the galaxy is the uh, independent systems headed right, by the Mandalorians. Right, right. Yeah, that's you know, right. When when I was a kid, we knew we didn't know anything about Mandalorians, but w- it was inferred to us, at least that's the way I uh, remember thinking that they were intrinsic to the Clone Wars. I I literally yeah. thought we were going to get like um, a million Boba Fett's fighting, you know, Jedi and stuff. And in Not a way, a lie, I felt that way too. Super close to that. I mean. <laughs> I'm rambling yeah, with that whole with that whole Death Watch thing. Sure, we. Did. This episode was amazing. Sure in short, <laughs> I said uh, I said earlier this week as we were chatting outside of the show, I said, uh, "Wow, compared to last week, Bo-Katan uh, uh, flipped faster than a flapjack in Quebec on uh, Shrove Tuesday." <laughs> nice. That's a great reference. <laughs> I will say though, it's not just two episodes that got us here. I would say even four and a half. Because I count those couple in the book of Boba Fett. Oh, sure. Because sure. that's where she lays down. Like, you got to go get cleansed of your transgressions. Uh, that is fair. That and- is fair. Well, listen, before we get into the breakdown, it's uh, about time that we uh, open up the cage and uh, let him out for another edition of Bad Star Wars Jokes. A couple times in one day, he's going to get a uh, big head. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, did you know that uh, prior to meeting uh, Han Solo that Chewbacca was a professional baseball player? I did not know that. Yeah, but he got sent back down to the minors for making too many Wookiee mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Wookiee Wookiee mistakes. He might rip your arms (laughs) off. That's a Wookiee mistake. You're doing just fine, Chewbacca. I have a a bad Star Wars joke that I I made up myself. Oh, wait. Wait, an original. An original. An original. I am uh, so down for this. What what do Hank Solo's man Fandalorian sweatshirt and an undercooked steak have in common? What does Hank Solo's Fandalorian sweatshirt and an undercooked steak have in common? I know what it is. They're both rare. They're both <laughs> rare, baby. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, Disney and their DMCA takedown. What do you know? A couple comments coming in here from Eric. Eric's joining us tonight on Facebook, a regular reviewer of the show and our patron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandalorians have a whole load of lore in the Old Republic era too. That's true. They it's do. True. Yeah, they, we are they going totally to do. we are going to just scratch the surface of that when we actually get to the mines because there's a reference to a historical figure mm-hmm. that may or may not have their roots uh, uh, rooted in legends lore. Follow up comment: No more big league chewy. <laughs> I don't want to. I, I mean, I, sir. I don't want to put that in the corner of my mouth and try and chew that. Mm, be kind of <laughs> tough and airy. It's very witty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I feel like uh, our expectations were kind of subverted this uh, this episode. Like, like you say, you thought she was going to take a lot, or he was going to take a lot longer to get to where he's yeah. going, and really didn't. You just kind of like, okay, we're going, and off we went. Yeah, found a substitute on his uh, quest and. I do think they're going to circle back, though, at yeah. some point. Before warned, we're going to spend a lot of time on the uh, cyborg character this week because that has got me the most. Loved seeing the mythosaur, but 
I think everybody was kind of, you know, like, what, what is, is going on here? From? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What parts is he made of? So I want to, I want to do, I do want to spend some time on that because I found that to be very, the more I put into it, the more I thought, and I have some thoughts about this really makes for like a grim, <laughs> a grim story around this character, which probably will never ever be seen again, but you still, know. it's kind of what we do here. All right, guys, let's get on to it with uh, this week's episode. It is uh, chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore. Its uh, original air date was on Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. This one, like every one of them so far, written by John Favreau. It's directed by Rachel Morrison. Now, Rachel Morrison has primarily worked as a uh, cinema cinematographer. She was the director of photography on the uh, 2018 Black Panther film. Now, her work on 2017's Mudbound uh, got her the first nomination uh, for Best cinema, cinema, Cinematography for a Woman. Mm. So congratulations for her on getting the nomination. Too bad she didn't get the award. Mm. Mm. Got a foot in the door. That's um, On another note, step. as on the side to that, um, if Brendan Fraser takes the Best Actor Award for uh, The Whale, he will be the first Canadian to do so. Really? And hmm. although he was born in Indiana, he identifies publicly as a Canadian and holds dual citizenship. Hmm. There you go. A little Brendan Fraser uh, dip for you. Nice. All right. Our uh, advertised runtime this week was uh, 45 minutes. But of course, if you strip out the titles and the end credits, uh, we come in at a much more trim 38 minutes and seven seconds. Our episode synopsis this week reads... The Mandalorian and Grogu explore the ruins of a destroyed planet. Uh, what do we got Eric saying here? Eric got another comment for us. One important beat that got drawn out for a long 40 minutes as he abandoned his friend droid. A bit of a weaker episode. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, hmm. Differing opinions. Agree to disagree on that one. Um, I didn't find it weak. Uh, I did find it. It, hmm. it, didn't, about it, now? it didn't lose me. It didn't like didn't lose me either i think if anything that that stalled for me was the tracing dinjarn steps a second time with bo katan exactly the same way that we did with dinjarn even though the expository dialogue by the way next to no dialogue in this episode mm -hmm. um maybe that could have been handled a little bit differently but again when there's really only one path to walk what what do you do this is the way <laughs> this is the way it's kind Guys, of like we played the same level with two different characters and one was oh, way better. Very interesting analogy. I do. I like that. And one was way better with their weapon than the other one. <laughs> yeah, one came back leveled up. <laughs> you go through it when you're like a level one character, then you come back when you're a level 10. And I felt like it was uh, like Cal Kestis uh, reconnecting to the force. <laughs> she just needed to pick up that sword and remember what she already knew. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic scene, by the way. Um, guys, if you've been following uh, the show for any amount of time, you know the style that we like to use. And and I mean, I can talk stores, Star Wars all day, every day. Some might say I'm a little long winded. No, uh, no. I'm attempting to curb my writing style this week. So if things seem a little bit different, it's because we're trying something else out. Not because we're going to, we're going to skip on anything. I just want to change the format a little bit to see if this is more uh, conversational. Let's call it fair there. enough. All right. So uh, let's get into, uh, oh my gosh, where am I at here? Did I go too far? I did go too far. Here we go. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get into the breakdown. 
<laughs> okay, so the episode opens on Tatooine, and guess what, everybody? It's uh, Bunta Eve. There is a speeder race through the streets of Moss Eisley, and we pick up with Pelimato running a grift on an unsuspecting Rodian over some concocted speeder repairs. Of course, all the familiar faces are there. There's R5-D4, the pit droids, and her BD droid. Treadwell um, in the background. There is a treadwell in the background. Is it cooking anything this time? Because <laughs> we know he's been used as a barbecue spit. That's before. true, the treadwell, yeah. <laughs> Lauren had a great thought about this. Yeah. Do we think Boba brought the Bunta race back? Or has it been going on the Never. whole time? You know what? Um, I'm going to suggest that it's been it's been there the whole time. We were just only ever privy to it on Mos Espa. Yeah, for you think the during the Empire that that, that that would be a thing? On some ways, I do. I mean, look at Obi Wan in, in A New Hope when he talks about how like how remote Tatooine really is, and that the Empire doesn't really have that big of a presence there. Not until the droids oh, show up, anyway. I guess that's true. They're they're pretty like yeah, off the beaten path last episode really like with the white protocol droid kind of you know trumping up uh navarro yeah we don't really get any window into the tourist trappings of tattooing no we really don't like Tour tourist trappings that's an interesting mm -hmm. one <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, gotta yeah, be yeah. events and celebrations huge that city, to draw right? people in right that well, rodian is dressed to the t's like, so i was gonna say there, there is a visual cue here that, that suggests that it's not just Navarro that's prospering. Yeah. I mean, other, uh, other spots are reaping the benefits as well. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's kind of why I was like this, this Bunta stuff, like we haven't spoken of it since Phantom Menace. So it feels yeah. kind of fresh, you know, like it's probably just a nod. Anybody look up Bunta? The, I did. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got a slide for it. Nice. Wicked. What do you guys think about the grift that she's running? I kind of got caught off guard by this. I didn't think she would dip that low. <laughs> It makes me yeah, think uh, that that's been her the whole time. We've just never been privy to it. Quite I don't possibly. even find it that low. I, I mean, she's trying to survive in a crazy, crazy, you know. She's the reverse Scotty, you know. Scotty I mean, would say, he would tell the captain that's going to take two months when really it only takes, you know, a week. Right. <laughs> but that buys you two months. Yeah. In this case, though, what does she, she say? It's uh, it's 20 minutes of work, but it's gonna. She tells him it's going to take months. two months. <laughs> two months. Two thousand percent <laughs> increase or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's every auto mechanic uh, you've ever met. Ever. But the thing is, ever. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, and she knows, like, we get that from her during the uh, that card game with the uh, Doctor mm -hmm. uh, Doctor Feeler or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where she, you know, probably overstates the amount that the the uh, the call was. That's true. Got, you know, I got that impression it might have been ten bucks, and he, she's like, "It's five hundred, and that's what he throws down." So. <laughs> We see that Pelly has maintained her uh, good term relationship with the Jawas, with the Jawas yeah. to the tune that she's cut them in. They're yeah. the ones actually performing the work. Yeah. Well, it is one of them one that she's dating? So that's an interesting that, question. I kind of thought about that. Yeah. Previously, maybe. And did you see they had like a like Bunta Mardi Gras kind of like streamers around their necks? They were they did, like yeah. colorful streamers. They're all yeah. dressed for the for the uh, the the. So it's um, definitely like a celebration. Festival. Paint those parts, like, make them look different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then of course she complains that she's got to work on Boon to Eve, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. All right, well, our uh, our well dressed Rodian, that's Don Dininger, um, and you may not recognize her face, but you've definitely seen her work as she has played virtually every Rodi adult Rodian in live action Star Wars uh, on Disney Plus. Nice, including uh, the mom on the transport. 
when oh, uh, Din Djarin cool. is, is using public transport, as well as the, the Rhodian prisoner in uh, the Fett. book of Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah. That one didn't fare too well, though. No, 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 they didn't. Um, and this is a really cool one. This is actually a, this is a bit of a feel good story. Uh, at least two of the three Jawas are a mother and daughter acting uh, team. Uh, from California, they basically uh, got called up, had no idea what they were auditioning for, and then because it was a Star Wars project, uh, they've since gone on to appear multiple times. It's uh, Lilani Shu and her daughter Ariel Shu. Uh, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Lilani, though, uh, the mom, has actually uh, also played uh, Tika. Now, Tika is the Jawa that sold Luke's uh, T-16 model. Obi-Wan actually got an action figure yeah 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 that's pretty cool all right so let's uh, talk a little bit about the Bunta Eve uh most of us uh, our casual fans will probably just associate it with the uh, Phantom Menace race pod race yeah now that's the Bunta Eve classic however the Bunta Eve itself is holiday celebrated on Tatooine and now this is where it gets kind of weird because Mm -hmm. it celebrates uh um the hut now tatooine has traditionally been a hut controlled world right up until boba fett kind of came in and well took over no uh well i guess technically yeah because uh what's his face who bib fortuna that's the one yeah who sat on the throne in the interim yeah until they came to say what are you doing yeah (laughs) so this hut who uh whose name believe it or not is now i'm gonna mess this up (laughs) bunta hestilic shadru there you go. So the hut Bunta Hedrick Hestelik Shadru uh, is celebrated for their ascension to godhood in whatever religion the huts are uh, huts are celebrating. Anyway, slugs learn to fly. Uh, it goes on to say that whatever actually happened to this hut uh, was lost to legend, but people still celebrate it anyway, and it is typically associated with fireworks, pod racing. And gambling, and, and if you mm-hmm. listen to Pelly, there's also a little bit of glug glug in there too. Oh, that's that's Tuesday. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's any day. <laughs> is that is that a canon entry? That is a canon entry. Yes, it is. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and did you check out the legend stuff? It's like a I, did so, I did not. So I did not go it's back. A, it's, a, it's a planet in Hut space, and it's got a, a big junk ring around it where they do a lot of the salvaging oh. and stuff. But the coolest thing is that the first time it was ever referenced is in the. Uh, droids animated series Ooh. and they actually go to the i believe Bunta. you were yeah i believe that is true now that you say that was that in the the first arc with the racing yeah it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah 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 nice i'm gonna go back and rewatch that yeah okay so um <clears throat> next up mando arrives in his modified n1 starfighter uh, he tells pelly that they're uh, he's there on business and he's looking for a replacement ig memory circuit so that he can fix ig 11 Pelly talks to her Jawa friends who tell her not even they can get one. So then Pelly promptly tries to sell uh, R5-D4. <laughs> Mando tells her he has no use for an astromech droid because he's going to Mandalore and he needs a droid that is rated for spelunking. But Pelly makes some overtures about how good R5 is and she offers to sell him at the Bunta Eve discounted rate of half off along with uh, reinstalling the N1's droid socket, and she'll chuck in a uh, free oil bath. <laughs> <laughs> this scene happens so quickly, they move yeah. at breakneck pace. They really do. It's like, land, droid, go. Yeah. Um, 
a few things going on in this one. Uh, what does Pelly make some overture? What are the huts back? Are you taking out Boba? Fett? Are you taking out Boba yeah, Fett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. What? No, we're friends. Don't you remember? Like <laughs> he's still a man. I mean, he's still a bounty hunter. That's true. That's true. Pelly utters the line when uh, Grogu, because she's like, "Where's my guy?" And then he, he, he kind of stands up. up and does this flip. And what does she say? Who taught you to leap like a lerman? Of course, the lermans were introduced to us back in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. as a lemur like uh species uh what does she say sorry pal no chance cubes they can't get the parts nice um, and then this reference. man this part really burns me now and i don't want to spend too much time but this is like <laughs> this is for people who who i don't want to say obsess for people who scrutinize star wars the same way that we do this will drive you insane this will drive you like it just uh, Pelly makes a, a an overture about uh, how he should be, uh, you know, flying starfighters across the galaxy fighting tyranny. She makes a point to say that R5-D4 is as good as the day that it came back from serving in the rebellion. Yeah. Casual fans. Sure. Okay. Is she just telling him, is she just feeding him a line? I had to dig down on this and no, I couldn't make this up if I tried to. Yes, <laughs> R5D4 actually made it into the rebellion, having been inspired by R2D2 and their time together in the Sand Crawler. It's actually mentioned in the 2015 canon reference book, Ultimate Star Wars, although it doesn't say what capacity he served in. Just some. Now, here's where I have a problem with that. Because the Mandalorian has gone out of the way to make sure that that R5 is recognizable by that, you know, ghastly grease stain on the back of his head where he blew a motivator. Yeah. Well, guess what, folks? R5-D4 never actually blew a motivator. No. (laughs) Instead, uh, after spending time in the Sandcrawler with R2-D2 and conferring with uh, his droid counterpart about how R2 was sort of the best hope for the galaxy and he needed to be purchased, R5 made sure that R2 would get purchased by injecting some fluid behind his ocular sensor and then basically ignited it, uh, blowing the top off his head, creating the scene that we all saw in Star Wars. That being said, am I supposed Mm -hmm. to believe that this guy never got an oil bath in a decade? Nobody loved him. Never got an oil bath in a decade. Maybe he just always leaked fluid. Like, you know, maybe... Maybe it's just a, you know, like, like, uh, like I said in the chat, like three PO's nipples. <laughs> I almost wished I didn't know. I looking at it now, I wished I didn't know. I wish I didn't go looking. I would rather be ignorant in this case and just be yeah. the casual fan who watched Star Wars and went, oh, that's the one that has a bad motivator because I can easily buy into, oh, this droid just goes through motivators and he blows one every, you know, couple of cycles or something. Yeah. Yeah. That um, would maybe he, maybe he me. uses that trick to get out of chores. Maybe he's like, I, I don't want to do the dishes. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we'll see him blow maybe. a motivator later. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, it's better than the Legends one where he's force sensitive and for and some reason Jedi. sacrifices himself. Yeah. Rather than make R2 force sensitive, which I have a whole, I could do a whole show on. I, I have a theory. Oh, but, sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's a little better than, than the wacky uh, random side uh, periphery for sensitive uh, yeah. non-important yeah, yeah, yeah. character eric says that some stains don't wash off or aren't worth scrubbing for hours and you know what you'd be absolutely correct except when we get to the next scene and uh you know so R5 when we first been... to, to hammer down on this re- oh, remember yeah, sure. when we first see him in the in season one 
R5. Yeah, the stain's there. Yeah, that that little part is missing. It's completely is the, is missing. Is the panel gone? The panel is, is missing gone? outright. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, that. and so it's like, that's, you know, they're... They want us to know that that's the same droid. That it is the same droid. And, so I'm and gonna I go, mean, that's the same Treadwell, too. There's Let's all those. Go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all the behind scenes stuff where they brought the, with Dave Filoni, where they rolled the droid out, the actual physical model. And Dave said, can we repaint it to look like R5D4? And that's as simple as how that happened. Yeah, right. But this is the kind of stuff that the story group is supposed to catch and say, how did he get from point A to point B? So this this is where like you you were creating a tweet. <laughs> no, I did yeah, not. I, I I've been checking. I know. I know. You got to be famous to. You yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. Yeah, the very thing that 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 brought me in. Oh, it's R five D four. Is the same thing that took me out of it because you can't convince me that yeah. between the time of the rebellion till what somewhere nine to twelve uh, ABY that that droid never got an oil bath. Now to follow up on Eric's comment about how it's, you know, some stains don't wash off or they aren't worth scrubbing for hours. Yeah. That would be totally acceptable if it were true in this context. <laughs> but as soon as they load him in the droid socket, he's gone. all cleaned up and it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Oh. Don't get me wrong. I love this show. I love Star Wars, but like sometimes it is absolutely maddening. <laughs> Let's just say in headcanon, he just constantly blows motivators and that. And he's like, I'm fine with that. that from I, a certain point of view, story is just someone's take yeah. on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first time it blew up, it actually ruptured something. Now he just leaks. I would just tales. rather, you know, like, you know, you buy a used car and some used car just goes through. You're blowing uh, timing belts all the time. Yeah, I just look at it time. that way. Yeah. Uh, I got it. It's time for another timing belt. Okay. Yeah. All right, with uh, R5 nestled away in the newly reinstalled droid socket, uh, they all rocket off to Mandalore with uh, fireworks erupting all around them, and we get our title card for the episode. Um, this is a cool little spot here. Uh, do you guys catch the line about, hey, kid, are you ready for an adventure? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did I did appreciate that line. <laughs> all right, so um, another surprise here for me, and now that we're leaving... <laughs> I mean, I know we, we, we made Mand uh, we made it to Mandalore in breakneck time. I want to go back to the Boba Fett thing for a second, because given the connection between Din Djarin and Boba Fett, would you not think that at least as a, a courtesy, he would have just checked in to say, hey, hmm. I'm here out of just out of courtesy. You know, when, when another Mandalorian, a known Mandalorian bounty hunter shows up on your world, you might want to know about it. True. Hmm. So I'm sure we're going to see Boba Fett later, but I thought oh, yeah. at least he would have hung out a little bit longer. Yeah, but Boba Fett's already told him, you know, I don't believe in that traditional stuff or the living waters or anything. So that's true. More important to Mando, right? Right, right, right. Would have been a 50 minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> Eric says that Boba might have talked him out of it. and We can't have that. No, we can't. We must move on. Yeah, probably hire him as muscle. Last week, uh, before the droid socket was reinstalled. Now, we knew that this was going to happen. This was very clear through the marketing material. We knew that R5 was going to be reinstalled. I, I, I spent some time talking about the pram and sort of the, how is the pram stored? How is it act, How does it access the ship? Yeah. And, you know, I actually took some time to mock this up because I actually think it's hilarious now that he's reinstalled that um, it. this is how much 
the show wants you to suspend disbelief. And don't get me wrong, that's exactly what I want to do. I do want to suspend my disbelief because I think it's, you know, space fantasy and it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, because we did get a really good shot of the bottom of this ship. We did episode. this week. So this is how this is how ridiculously impossible it is to actually make this thing fit in a Starfighter. <laughs> <laughs> telling that, you there's a habit trail in there that third uh engine that pelly installed makes it uh, impossible for r5 to be spit out the back and we do see him get plunked horizontally out the back end behind the engine and i'm like that's not possible it's just not possible anyway suspension of disbelief it's fun <laughs> maybe it's got uh, some inner mechanics like uh the slave one where it just drops them down a half centimeter and then twists. But look, this is what I mean. Like I skip, this is a, this is a star Wars black series R five D four that I scaled. I used the head to scale it to the image. Yeah. And you know, when you start rotating that, uh, that there's, not a image, lot of there's, there's no wiggle. There's no way. Look at where the feet, the feet are literally straddling that engine. Like, you know, Boba on a, on a, on a speeder <laughs> bike, ride it like a Bantha, you know, that kind of thing yeah um there's just nowhere for it to turn it can't it can't make the can't make the swing right as the as the truck drivers would say mm -hmm. anyway man do i sound like i'm complaining a lot this week yeah. <laughs> i have to see the bottom of it better maybe the engine starts a little further back like i know like the, like there's the, the 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 cowling there but yeah lauren says it's not a mine it's a to oh, so foreboding and then uh eric just wants me to know that my my science is harshing his space magic space wizard i'm so sorry space wizards and laser swords at the end of the day that's what it's all about he turns the jelly slides up in there and we're good to go. uh, we have both in this episode by the way a space a real live space wizard and a real laser sword i've seen yeah. someone flush it a, a one liter bottle of water so i mean <laughs> Well, he could, he okay. could get in there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, arriving in orbit over Mandalore, Din Djarin, uh gives Grogu an impromptu history lesson about how every Mandalorian can trace their roots back to the planet, explaining that he's never actually been there. He points at the moon of Concordia and says that's where he grew up. And then he points uh, to the Bo-Katan's homeworld of Kalevala on the nav display. Uh, he finishes the history lesson by reinforcing that uh, Mandalorians need to know their way around maps so they'll never be lost. This is an important uh, detail in the episode this yeah. week. And it's just like a continuing lesson. Like last week, yeah. he was learning what all the dials are for. And oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This week, we're going to learn a little bit more. Well, then they descend into the Mandalorian atmosphere and get pelted by intense rains and uh, electromagnetic disturbances that wreak havoc on Mando's instruments. I don't think there's anything uh, groundbreaking here that we weren't expecting. No, um, no, except a, it's a callback to uh, Dagobah, right? Uh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking through the cr uh, cloud cover, Mando explains how Imperial proton bombs must have disrupted the planet's atmosphere, which is what's causing the electromagnetic issues. But because of those EM issues, they will not be able to use long range communications when they're on the surface. That means they will not be able to talk to anybody. They're in space cut off the entire surface of the planet as far as you can see has been completely glassed including you, the uh, Im the impact craters and uh, mando puts down on the edge of sundari city you're watching with uh, descriptive audio always that glass always. is trinitite 
I have a whole uh, rundown on that. She says it like 95 times, almost (laughs) as many times as she says the word arachnid. (laughs) I did not use that word at all in my description this week. Eric says, uh, great teacher, Mando. On the job training is how to do it. (laughs) So true. (laughs) As you said, Hank, the descriptive audio uses the real world term trinitite to describe the uh, green glass. Now, Trinitite uh, also can be referred to as Atmosite or Almogordo glass, and it is the glassy residue that's left uh, that was left on the desert floor after the 1945 Trinity nuclear bomb test near the city of Almogordo, New Mexico. <laughs> Trinity was the code name for the first nuclear bomb test ever by the United States Army. Now, uh, most Trinitite is actually green. But there were sections of red at the blast site and even more uh, rare black trinitite. And while trinitite is not illegal to own, it has been illegal to gather since uh, 1953. And uh, believe it or not, it is considered safe to handle, although it remains radioactive. So it's like real life kryptonite. Kind of, yeah. Um, Here's a fun one for you. Almogordo uh, just happens to be home to the world's largest uh, pistachio. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> and the uh, the Almogordo landfill was the uh, site of the rumored millions of copies of uh, the world's worst video game, E.T., having been uh, bulldozed in. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Roughly 1,300 copies were actually recovered in a 2014 excavation, which there's an entire documentary on it. It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Atari Game Over is the, the name of the, uh, the uh, documentary. That's what it's called. There the film. Go. It's worth watching, by the way, too. Totally is. It's a neat adventure. So yeah, Trinitite. If you if you didn't know, don't go gathering it. Um, what'd you guys think of the uh, the the actual look, though? It was what I kind of expected. Like as far as a glass planet goes, I got real. Uh, you say kryptonite, krypton. Uh, vibes. I got like I got krypton vibes <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, heavy like fortress of solitude. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Especially from the Krypton miniseries or the yes. television series that was prematurely canceled. Yes. The first series that actually delivers a good looking doomsday. Lauren says that she owned ET when she was a child. Now, <laughs> did you actually figure out how to play it? Was it actually enjoyable for you? Because uh, no, I, I have I, memories of I playing also it and, owned it and it was, I, I, I would know. turn it every once in a while. I would put it in and turn it on and go, oh, it's ED, right? And then go, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. <so> bad. <laughs> Let me walk across this green screen. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And fall in a hole. What do I Precisely. do? What do I get? <laughs> fall in the hole? Get out of the hole. Fall in the hole? Get out of the hole. And who? what's the guy with the hat? What's he doing? <laughs> Unplayable, says Eric. Yeah, totally yes, was. You're absolutely true. There's a reason it got buried. <laughs> yeah. So going back to that uh, plunking R5 out the back of the ship, bloop, there it is. Mando deploys a uh, reluctant R5 to go over to uh, the opening that leads into the Sindari underground and to take an air sample to determine if the atmosphere is actually breathable. As R5 disappears behind the massive glass shards, Mando and Grogu track the droid using the N1's sensors, but then R5 suddenly disappears off the scope. So sealing his helmet mando is forced to go yeah. out of his ship and go look for r5 so that solves a, a question we've had for a while right 
is there an independent oxygen supply in Mandalorian can he be pressurized? Armor? Could he be sealed? okay in in open space for a few minutes? Could he be? Answer, Absolutely. The answer be, looks yeah. like it's yes. And then the the Vader breathing, the like the the very different, like the awesome, just an awesome touch. Um, Eric's got a good question here, and I'm going to save it for a second <laughs> because it, it ties into what I want to talk about next. Uh, Din utters a line. This is normally droid work. Um, that's another important detail because think about, uh, I want to tie this in. Remember that line when we get to the section on the cyborg, this is normally droid work. Okay. Um, because what did they do? We've seen in the, in the, uh, in the flashback sequence with the night of a thousand tears, there were no troops. No, it was all like, it was uh, all droids. Yeah. It was all droids. High fighters. But... Well, that was the bombing run was tie fighters, but on the, on the, the surface of the, the sweep marching. Yeah. The sweep for survivors was uh Viper probe droids and KX security yeah. droids. Now, uh, Eric says, answer me this. Does a starship not have those sensors? You would so, think. I don't know. Like, what that's why you have an astromech droid. It's a fighter. So, I mean, it, I, if it was a science vessel, I have no trouble with that. Do, so, do, do starfighters need that? Well, we're totally talking, usually... uh, what's it called? Um, we're talking well, Star Trek now. <laughs> an amazing game. It's, there's a game where you're like, oh, it's open world game. Where you oh, like, uh, No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky. You have sensors no in No Man's Sky, Sky that tell you what the sure. atmosphere is like. But yeah, I would yeah. think on a straight up fighter like that built for speed and, and maneuverability and then, you know, killing, you would rely heavily on your astromech droid. Yeah. And then we know that from... Uh, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Astromex droid sensors are highly tuned for different capabilities. Like R2's looking, it's like a he's yeah, R2's little radar creatures. Yeah, he was like right? he had. It's in the I, I want to say in the novelization of Empire, it talks about like he's reaching out something like a hundred kilometers or something with that yeah, man. thing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just say that a droid is just a, a like it's it's built for this type of thing where you're we're a fighter like yeah. maybe the Falcon. Or bigger yeah, has those kind of sensors, yeah. but I think maybe uh, you know I'll just chalk it up to Starfighter, and uh, I would as well. Um, and you know what? We have a real affection for droids on our show. I mean, they are literally the jackknives of of Star Wars, really. The the multi tool. And really, we don't know what else Pelly took out of this thing when she was modding it, right? That is true. Uh, but it is built for space travel without an astromech. Well, that's an interesting yeah. thought. It's built for fighting, though. It's built for fighting in space. I, I would only counter that thought with, not originally, the ship was built with a droid socket. That's how they were manufactured. Yeah, that's what I mean. They were, in, they yeah. were intended to be used in concert with an astromech droid. It was only Peli that changed the design uh, and stripped it out. And yeah. like, were they exclusive to Naboo, though? Like What's that? Uh, the the N1 Starfighter. Yeah, they so. were. Yeah, so, they like, were. They didn't have to go out and explore and find different atmospheres. No, were, it was just go out, fight, and come back. Planetary planetary defense force for yeah. Yeah. let's and let's remember prior to the the Trade Federation or the blockade of Naboo, there hadn't been a conflict in the galaxy for what thousands of years, hundreds of years, yeah. a yeah. long time. They're probably like snowbirds. Those guys, you know what I mean? They're probably just yeah. like stunt flyers. Yeah, they could very point. well have been. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. That's so true. That's a good point. All right, so. Um, what was I going to do here? Oh, right. I've got some language for us this week. Ooh. Um, uh, we always like to chew on the language. This one, uh, uh I did not enjoy this. So, um, by the <laughs> way, don't swear at me. 
with <laughs> with the Orabesh that's on the altimeter PSI gauge, we've got two languages just in the Starfighter alone. And by the time we get to the end of the episode and we've added in uh, ancient Mandoa, that's three languages in one episode. Don't ever make mm-hmm. me do this again. And none, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, sorry. So the gauges in Mando's cockpit, uh, the best that I could make out, says uh, system ready, M flight, their uh, navigation uh, bearings, T and S, I could not make out the top or the bottom. And then uh, around the other gauge, the uh, I guess the, the scope there, system online, turbo boost enabled. That's so 80s, turbo boost. I love and, it. Uh, life support <laughs> active. Now I've I've included uh, uh, translations for both of these. Uh, these are the traditional Nabu languages that are spoken by the human population. Fu Thork, Fu Thork. Now that's the the glyphs that we actually see inside uh, Mando's cockpit. That is the newer, uh, the more recent of the two uh, human Nabu languages, and this is basically what's used in everyday conversation. Hmm. It's what most of the uh, common people use. Now, Futhark, on the other hand, now that's the circular uh, oblong glyphs that were emblazoned on the sides of the starfighters mm-hmm. in the Phantom, Messi- the Phantom Message. Oh, the Phantom <laughs> Message, right. Phantom Message. That's a good movie. Phantom mm-hmm. Men- in the Phantom Menace, now Futhark is an ancient, a more ancient language, and it is the uh, language that is primarily used by royalty and nobility. Yeah. as well as government and the military to identify starships. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in real world, real world terms, by the way, uh, Futhark was actually a Scandinavian runic alphabet evolved from an earlier 13th century runic alphabet called Futhark. Hmm. So both of them are uh, rooted in the real world. Neat. Uh, let's just get caught up here on the chat here for a second here. What do we got here? Eric um, says, good bounty hunter. A good bounty hunter, particularly one with a slowly healing distaste for droids, should have that installed in their ship, though. True. Uh, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. Follow-up comment says, uh, though maybe this is symbolic that he's not a bounty hunter anymore and is destined for more. That's been kicked around quite a bit in the fan community. Not a bounty hunter anymore. Um, Mm. We've said it just in practical terms. Where are you going to keep? Where's the cold storage on that? (laughs) <laughs> on the n1 i mean true <laughs> or the warm storage for that matter but on on the flip side of that if you're bounty hunting you're not going exploring in uninhabitable planets you're going to habitable yeah. planets that are hiding your bounty i mean that's how he paid the bills yeah. before but now that the bills yeah. aren't the you know now there's other ways to sort of fulfill that mm. uh niche yeah 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 you know, sort of called to a higher order. So those skills still transfer over. They do. Right. The it's razor crest not... made a point of showing us that, you know, Mandalorians use the toilet and now we don't even get this. We see him get to sip on a bit of soup, but that, I that mean, whole, like all those things that you just don't see. Yeah. Cause they just don't serve the story, but, yeah. but they're there. Yeah. And you look exactly. at, in the United States, there's a, a, a pretty fine line between marshals, you know, state yeah. marshals and, yeah. and, uh, uh, bail bondsmen. Oh yeah, like yeah, bounty yeah. hunters, like you know, like <laughs> so. Um, he's got all these avenues that he could return to should should this endeavor fail. You yeah, know, if this doesn't a, work, he's yeah, got a he bunch of jobs back on. Yeah, right? like yeah, yeah. Boba Fett would hire him. Boca can go let him grovel at her feet. He could yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, <laughs> if he could get if he could give up his Ali religion, he can go and be. Yeah, he could go back to Navarro. 
king yeah. of the uh, Tuscan Billy Raiders. Bob. All yeah. kinds of things could happen Absolutely. to this guy. Yeah. Well, um, following the same path as R5, Mando utters the famous horror movie line, I'll be right back, <laughs> and then uh, heads underground through a cave entrance. Coming to the edge of a downward slope, he gazes at the expansive underground ruins of Sundari City, but R5 is nowhere to be found. Suddenly, Mando is attacked by primitive cave-dwelling humanoids that erupt from the ceiling armed with clubs and cudgels. After dispatching a couple of them with his blaster, Mando is knocked to the ground, but he comes up swinging clumsily with the dark saber, and uh, between that and his vibroblade, is able to fight off the rest of his assailants. Once the fight is over, Mando spots R5 toppled over in a nearby pile of rubble, and he writes the droid and takes him back to the ship. Okay, full stop. Yep. Okay, so he's pretty clumsy with this blade, and we've he seen is. that. We've seen that before. He he's. And I've said this before, and I think I said it recently in the chat. He's Bruce Willis the way he fights. Like oh, he's yeah, he, you know, he headbutts people with his, you know, with oh, the, sure, like, sure. He takes he absorbs a lot of damage because he knows he can take it, you know. So he's forever That's blocking his shoulders and yeah. chests and yeah, 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 foreheads. Yeah. And like, he's the Utilizing one I can think that of was like, that pit fighting uh arena where he, uh, where he, he kept him. <laughs> Yeah, headbutting yeah, people's yeah, fists, yeah, yeah. right? Like they would punch him, and he would lead with his head. Um, right. Okay. So he's he had throw two years with this sword. He throws one right? off a cliff. Like well, Favreau, yeah. Favreau laid it down. It's been two years since two years. the Book of Boba That's Fett. Right. That's right. Yeah. And he's not gotten any better with it. You know. Okay. He didn't maim himself. Trials of the Dark Saber and the words of, of of Kanan Jarrus and right. really talking about right. that. So uh, Lauren and I were talking a, and... a lot about this and, and um, he's, he's fighting himself. Of he course still he is. Does, he, he doesn't believe. Uh, he's not sure what to believe. Let's just put it that way. It, he, he, he's, he's got too many questions like the self doubt and uh, yep. you know, his path in the galaxy. And I think that's the, uh, when we see in a few minutes, when, when she picks it up, that, that's one thing about her character, you know, like arrogant or narcissistic or whatever yeah, you want to call her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does have, she has no doubt. And she wields that thing like it's a feather. Yeah, she does. She does. Uh, Eric says that uh, protecting your soft parts with your hard parts, that's fight school 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's target practice. <laughs> if you're following along on the video version of the podcast, I've just uh, included uh, an older image of uh, Sundari City just to contrast it against the ruins awesome. of uh, Sundari. Man, the place is really, uh, interestingly enough, for, you know, considering there were what, uh, pro proton fusion bombs, I think is what they called them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, there's quite a bit of infrastructure that has survived surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's overgrown fast for it, for a, a, a place that didn't have growth. Yeah. Right. It was a desert <laughs> domed, domed cities in a desert. It's right. overgrown quite a bit. Like the, like the, like crystallized, like, like rocks have grown into things and there seems to be like some sort of rough foliage and stuff there. It does kind of look um, that way. And it hasn't know. been that long, right? Like, no, it hasn't because we're Five talking seven uh, years, like maybe uh, nine years since Return of the Jedi. Now, like we're that's a little uh, bit up in the air, or four, uh, four BBY at the the destruction of of uh, Mandalore. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. When is it, we see it. we see Sundari City at the end? Well, not the end. When we last see Sundari City in Rebels, that mm -hmm. would be about four BBY years prior, right? So, so suggesting that like the uh, 
somewhere between then and Late now, the game. Yeah. there's been some form of the Mandalorians tried to oust the Empire and it didn't go very well. You no. Know? Now that's the story that I, I would love to chew on more. I want to see yeah. more of that. I was surprised that there, I mean, maybe we'll get into it too. Like um, These aren't spoilers, it's speculation, but I'm surprised yeah, yeah. that there's no um, Imperial presence on the world at all. Like, Isn't that something? That is something. You know, like, you know, how the Americans leave a little base everywhere they go. Sure, sure. Know? Like, yeah. Did the uh, Unless Imperials... they think they stripped it. And that's what I mean. Did, did the Empire, you know, uh, uh, drink their own Kool-Aid and they really think it was poisoned as well, right? Yeah. Mm. We know that there is radioactivity in the atmosphere. So, I mean, at some point, I mean, look at, look at um, Chernobyl. I mean, it's still not, people don't go to Chernobyl, right? And it's it's been how many decades later? Yeah. Mm. So, you know, there could be an element of that, right? Eric says that no presence lends credence uh, to the dead cursed world bit. Oh, it really does. It really does. Yeah. Mm. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this. uh, These cavemen here. These are uh, what are referred to later on as Alamites. Uh, Best I can tell, this is a new species being introduced here for the first time, but no surprise. Or are they a mutated species that was there before? Well, Bo-Katan says that they lived in the, uh, in the, in the, um, the wastelands beyond the cities, the cities, yeah, beyond the cities. But yeah. now they take up residence. They've moved in, in, yeah. But they certainly share that uh, that jutting tusk of the of the. Uh, mythos, they do, they do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I describe these guys as uh, like uh, an elongated chimpanzee features with like two noses and four eyes. Mm. Uh, very interesting that they they have a, a bear a strong resemblance. To the Morlocks uh, from the 1960 uh, Time Machine film. Amen. Uh, Doug's going to chime in here first uh, first time tonight. Doug, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate it, uh, hanging out this Fair afternoon. Uh, was the droid an Imperial trap? We are going to spend a long time. I'm going to spend a long mm-hmm. time talking about this thing because I obsessed over this. I obsessed over this thing so badly. Yeah. I want to say the short answer is no. Did you include any of my slides that I, <laughs> you hate uh, my answer. <laughs> if you, if you sent them to me, then I would have included it. Okay. So uh, I didn't have slides per se, but I had some images in the chat there, but you hated uh, my ideas. <laughs> what's that? What I what? The Palpatine. I hated your idea. Oh no, I did not put those in. Cause I couldn't tell if you were being serious or not. Oh, I, I fully was. <laughs> what? I fully was. Oh, I'm going to fight you so bad. <laughs> Before you yeah. go too far though, I'm going to reach this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some really compelling Snoke images I was going through too that are like cool, cool. Whoa. Uh, the advanced growth of the Alamites? Uh, no, of the oh, sorry, uh, of, of the rocks the, and whatnot. The rocks, the yeah. Growth under there, basically mm. with green glass over top of it, where the sun is streaking through. You're in a giant greenhouse now. Oh yeah, I guess right? it's, it's trans- oh, yeah. it is translucent. So any form of vegetation plus a little radiation and some extra sunlight, it's going to go fast. That's entirely possible. Um, I never actually thought of it that way, but it, we do see later on that it is translucent. Yeah. So yeah. You eat, like in your comparison shot, you see nice little streams of light coming through. Like, yeah, clean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the current one, they're still there, like not I mean, as clean, but still streaking through. That's the true. cloud cover is interesting too, because as you right. approach the planet, you can't see any surface features. It looks like raging black, you know, storms like on earth. Yeah. The sun would be. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if they're just like roving storms. 
similar maybe? to uh, Camino. Yeah, maybe. It, it just looked like light maybe. cloud cover diffusing because it looked just overcast on the surface. Like, I yeah. guess that's a better shot than we need a we need a, a tomb, right. Like, it's going to be <laughs> we need a nuclear scientist <laughs> to tell us about how yeah. uh, how yeah. a nuclear blast affects weather. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it wasn't like a meteor that would throw a dust cloud up that would remain for, you know, a thousand years. No, but I mean, we but did get a clear shot of the, stuff into the atmosphere mm, to mess it up. There was a, the flashback to night of a thousand tears was a giant mushroom over Sundari when yeah. it, went yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Multiple. Yeah. And it looked like they were just like every one of those yep. was like nuclear, capable. nuclear. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Windex would make a killing on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Okay, back at the ship, Mando gets a toxicity report from R5 and is surprised to learn that the atmosphere, not only is it not poisonous, it is actually quite breathable. So uh, leaving R5 with the Starfighter, uh, he and Grogu head back into the underground. Mando jetpacks off the edge of the sloped entrance while Grogu follows him down in the hover pram. Uh, and they float down several hundred feet. Finally reaching the bottom, they turn on their flashlights, which, by the way, are not handheld. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and using the dripping water as a guide, they start making their way to where the entrance of the mines should be. At least that's what they think. Mm -hmm. Along the way, we pass a couple of reptilian creatures reminiscent of crocodiles that we will later find out are actually winged and can fly. Um, I find it funny that Mando just presumes the water should lead to the mines. <laughs> yeah, huh? uh, Which way does it flow? Right. Uh, Lauren says that all his decisions from this point are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's only got he does play this direction. level. It's like you said, he does play this level like he's level one character. That's so true. Yeah. It is so true. While heading down another passage that leads deeper into the Sindari underground, Mando sweeps the area in front of him with both his helmet, uh, light, and a blaster pistol. Spotting the remains of a battered Mandalorian helmet in the dirt, he stops to pick it up to take a better look at it. But the helmet is nothing more than a cleverly placed bait for a giant bear trap-like device that's just below the surface, and it snaps shut, ensnaring Mando in a tight metal cage. What's more remarkable is that this entire mechanism is actually fixed to the underside of a giant crab-like cyborg, whom from this point on I shall correct. call the, the crab-org. That's what I call him. He's the crab-org. There you go. The entire uh, thing flips over right. onto its feet and deploys a small, ar uh, small arm with a needle on it that stabs Mando in the neck and knocks oh, him out. Grogu watches from behind uh, some rubble as the crab org carries Mando off and then follows staying just out of sight. So I love the classic chart, like, you know, the, the skull, you pick it up. Like it's even like, that's where like Boba, Boba places the bomb and, in, in, yeah. you know, like, it's like, who falls for that? Like, don't you guys have TV in star Wars, <laughs> but the way character. they use the bleached, the bleached, uh, Beskar. Yeah, uh, like a, like like at the skull that you would you know in the same scene in a different movie you would find. Well, this uh, that's keep dope. that in mind. The amount of and I, and I don't have great imagery for it, but I mean, if you watch the the episode, then you would have seen that there is Beskar scattered in this thing's layer. It's everywhere. There's literally mounds of helmets, which I incorrectly mistook for being eggs when I first watched it. Which is why initially I actually thought that the the cyborg was a Geonosian. Mm. Which is supposed I, to be I still get there's there's still heavy Geonosian vibes. I'm not I'm not not convinced that there's not a yeah. connection there, especially with the uh, all the droidy stuff and, and their connection to the the separatists. I do, I do want to 
and it and it it it, it seems to be it using does. language. The chittery, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The noise that it, seems it makes. To be using, yeah, the language seems to be similar to Geonosis. I want to preface the entire conversation that we're going to have around this cyborg character with this scene right here. We have to keep in mind that this thing baited a trap and it yep. laid there in wait. Mm -hmm. That's important to why like a Sith I don't... Lord. <laughs> like something that's just looking for its next meal. Yeah. Anyway. So basically it would be waiting for one of those Morlock-like creatures. I don't actually believe that the Alamites, uh, I believe the Alamites living in the same caverns as this thing are smart enough to avoid it. Probably at this point. Um, so I'm just, uh, let me, while we're here now, I'll just toss it out right now. I thought I saw some Stormtrooper helmets in there too. You may have. Uh, I definitely, I can't say if I did or I didn't. I know that there was a ton of Mandalorian armor and, you know, we got that piece of uh, Trinitite that Mando acquired from a traveler. We know that people have traveled here before. Mm -hmm. Are there enough people traveling to Mandalore that to feed this thing on the on the regular, or or as I'm more inclined to believe, there are other Mandalorian survivors still living here? Maybe that's what I think. Uh, Doug says it sounds like General Grievous. We do have a Grievous connection. I'm going to talk about that too. Yeah, the eye is wrong though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, where are we going here next? Well, Grogu watches. Oh, hang on a second. I jumped too far, didn't I? Uh, 19. Oh, I did. I skipped right over 18. Da, 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 da. Okay, so um the arachnid droid, but it's clearly a cyborg, judging by its organic eye that we can see. And there is our grievous part of our grievous connection. We have that biological eye. Also, later on, when the, the smaller uh, cyborg climbs out, by the way, the crab org, it's just a giant mech suit. I don't yeah. think it's anything other than that. The one yeah. claw gave me vibes from uh, RoboCop 2. Oh, yeah. Like just that claw, the design of it, particularly when she uh, first meets Kane and she's like, oh, you're all metal. That's the yeah, claw that yeah, reminds yeah, yeah. me of it. Um, I thought it had some uh, trappings of the crab droids from Attack of the Clones, at least the legs anyway. Mm -hmm. But looking at the concept art, like, I mean, I did, uh, as you'll see later on, I did send out a tweet on this, but it, to me, looks like it's the body or the head of a Viper probe droid, at least. Blown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. That, that right down to the seam around the midsection. Yeah. But that's what it is. That is our uh, the crab org, as I'm calling it. So there's a... There's a precedent for a Sith Lord cobbling together robot parts to, to uh, make sure. Absolutely is. So absolutely wanna, is. Yeah. <laughs> just throwing that out there too. <laughs> of which Grievous is not a Sith Lord. Yeah. No, not Grievous. No. And Vader no. didn't make his own body. No, no. but uh, one Darth Maul might have had something. Yeah, to do with Darth it. Maul. Mm, that's possibly cobbled Cobbles together robot together. parts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. That's it's that's paper thin. Yeah. That that's stuff's pretty, paper thin. It's, yeah. All right, so um, Grogu watches from cover as the uh, Craborg carries Mando off in the metal cage that looks like a rotisserie. Uh, it places him on a rack, and then it walks to another part of the room where it folds in its pincers and arms and then lowers itself to the ground. Closing in on the single organic eye, it pulls back from, an, from the monocular viewport, and then a hatch on the back of the crab droid body opens and... Moving like a massive, a spindly humanoid cyborg climbs out and down the hull. It has six limbs and what appears as quills protruding from its back, and they quiver just like a real-life massive. Standing up on its hind limbs, the cyborg grabs some kind of electro staff 
and moves to a console where it activates some controls. Well, then the creature moves over to the rotisserie cage and removes Mando's blaster and the Darksaber, tossing them to the floor. No Sith Lord would do that. Just mm -hmm. when you thought it was just a crab org, no, that was just a mech suit for another nightmarish cyborg. Now, some other uh, uh, inspiration here. I couldn't help. Uh, you, you can't help but not see this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Lost in Space robot mm -hmm. from the Netflix series. I also chucked in a shot of the Geth from the uh, Mass Effect uh, series. Um, and then just to illustrate those quills, uh, a nice shot of a Massif there. Mm. Yeah. Now, now, this version, though, did give me heavy Grievous vibes. Okay. Yeah. Like the yeah. arm configuration. It looked yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Well, let's okay. Let this. We're here now. Let's do it. Let's let's get into all of the theories and let's let's suss this out. Where are we going with this guy? What do we all think? Here's your. It's definitely not this, but uh, maybe this is the Star Wars equivalent of Pickle Rick. <laughs> so the little okay. organic okay. piece in the middle. Yeah. Okay. It's just kind of stabbed it. everything on and right. snapped yeah. it together and yeah. gone from there. But but yeah, like. The arms on this thing, I definitely felt were Grievous-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I was Funny just talking about how that's Palpatine. Technical Sorry. stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So uh, Eric has a thought. He says that uh, throwaway bad guy designed specifically to throw the deep lore fanboys into a frenzy of mad speculation in an attempt to obscure the general lack of overall content in the episode. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty thin wow. too, though. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I gotta, I gotta look ahead here for a second. Where's my, I mean, really, we haven't been treated to the entire lore of Mandalore yet. We have not. So no. aside from a couple creatures that Bo-Katan has said, yeah, they're here no. and the mythosaur might be there, but what else was roaming around outside those domes? The Alamites. <laughs> Besides <laughs> the Alamites. I don't know. I don't know. This is the weird thing. So that the line from Bo-Katan is um, if they survived, then what else did? Yeah. And that's where I automatically go to this thing. Uh, and I'm going to just, I'm going to bump ahead to it now. Um, this is where I like to point out that I think that this is uh, a Mandalorian survivor of the night of a thousand tears. And the reason I say that is, Going back to that concept art, like it does look like a Viper probe droid for the crab body, but taking a closer look at the uh, the smaller guy's head, it looks an awful lot like a modified KX droid head. Mm -hmm. um, and if we go back to that flashback sequence, uh, we know they were there. That's all that was there. That's all we see is Viper droids and KX security droids sweeping the planet's surface, executing survivors. I think it's fair to say that someone survived. Now, like I said before, the, the uh, layer, it is littered with Mandalorian armor. Like there are literal uh, piles of helmets and other pieces scattered throughout the lair. And I suspect that most of them came from other survivor victims. Hmm. That goes back to this thing's just laying in wait for its next meal. Keep in mind, this isn't some big imperial uh, 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 leftover machine that's there to hunt down and kill. It needs Din Djarin's blood to survive. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is draining mm -hmm. him of it. Mm -hmm. We've well, also we've we've seen uh, another Sith Lord hooked up to tubes during uh, that's life true. essences. That's true. To, to 
I'm I think sorry. it's too big. I think it's too big of a stretch. It's probably too big of a what's stretch. Going on, like it why would you? Is. Why would you choose Mandalore when you've got Wayland that is basically laying there, especially with what's going on in the Bad Batch? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I I just can't get there. I know. I know. I just can't. Get I just there. like like side story. Like his his corpse was blown to smithereens. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and we have the the legends sort of he's floating through space. And uh, he's got a, I don't see the idea that he's trying to cobble a new body together. And there's, here's a crazy reason because part of his brain and his left eye are, are hunkered down in the bowels of uh, maybe he was attached to the fleet. Like he's floating around with the fleet after they, I don't uh, know. They maybe, bombed it. maybe it's a Sith looking eye and you're right, Eric, a hundred percent. You're right as hell <laughs> that we've yeah. spent. Uh, half an hour on we're having guys. some serious nerd rage over here awesome. <laughs> <laughs> i hope you're enjoying the show <laughs> i did take a, a a moment to tweet out uh i, I tweeted uh pablo hidalgo uh dave filoni john favreau and rick famuyiwa uh to ask them uh is this uh, nightmare cyborg in the mandalorian chapter 18 a survivor of the night of a thousand uh, tears cobbled together from probe droid and kx security droid parts because that is surely what it looks like to me unsurprisingly i did not get an answer <laughs> yeah give him time give him time I see, like how prominent he was and how he, he went black already once and popped back to right. i don't think we've seen the last of this particular little thing those ma- uh, eric says Excuse the massive quills the massive quills make me think that there is something more interesting going on it implies using organic components for some reason if this is a mando survivor poaching organics needed to keep your own organics alive is a great idea that's what I'm. That's where mm-hmm. I kind of lean into. Now I tried to look. I could not tell if the quills were organic or if they were machine. Mm. It was too hard to tell. But going back to that grievous connection, there is an organ sack on this guy with a chest box yeah. that is pumping the fluids around. It's circulating through his body like your heart would yeah. do. For yeah, sure, it's absolutely 100%. doing that. Yeah. Um. But absolutely, he needs all that Mandalorian armor that's laying around. That those are previous meals. Yeah, uh, that that's where my mind goes with this. Victims. It, it may not even be a Mandalorian. It could just be some other unfortunate thing that just happened to be there, you know, wrong place at the wrong time when it happened. Could this mm. be a more vicious version of uh, the brain spiders we see on Tatooine? Is it also weird that he's at the mouth of the gates to the to the waters? Uh, he's not. Well, he's not right there. There's still quite a bit of of travel to get I mean, there. If if. If he's the one random survivor cobbling together, you know, like uh, he's he's tricked a lot of Mandalorians into going this way. Absolutely, but I mean, like, if you were in the position of a Mandalorian, does he know survivor, where the waters are? I mean, are people heading towards the waters? I I doubt that. I think that again, it comes down to there is enough. I go back to him laying in wait, setting that trap. There has to be with enough regularity, a guaranteed meal coming through there for him to make for it. Well, to that's what I'm it. saying. So yeah. when, when a uh, descriptive audio lady calls him an arachnid yep. spiders build their webs, right. In Where high traffic areas. Yeah. And what makes this part of the bowels yep. of Mandalore, a high traffic area. Well, as it turns out, after well, that's, uh, the Great that Purge, is true. Yeah. 
a lot of Mandalorians just took their helmets off. So now they all have to say, you know, go bathe. <laughs> They've all to got to go bathe in living waters. <laughs> I think the idea of, of have you ever had your skin removed. <laughs> <laughs> I think the idea of other survivors like coming to Sundari City to the capital. That's no far stretch of the imagination at no, all. No, but then going as deep as you can possibly go. Well, wouldn't you? You would, though, to get away from the radiation. Yeah. Mm. Get away from the surface anyway. Right, right. Eric says, if you're going to, if you're going to, uh, uh, if you're going to hunt Mandos, hunt, 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 Mandos. hunt Mandos, pick an ambush spot near a holy site. Uh, that's not a bad well, see, idea. And that's exactly it. Like, so it, give, it gives you this higher. Like there's well, a whole that, other level of higher functioning going on here too. Then that tells me that if, if that is the case, then that tells me that this, whatever this is, is versed in Mandalorian culture. So then it lends the, the Sith Lord may not be Palpatine, but it certainly lends a little credence to Maul then, doesn't it? I've seen Maul kicked around this week. I've seen Savage Press, and I'm like, come on. If they bring if they bring Maul back, if this is supposed That's to be That's George Lucas's wish though, right? That was his plan before yeah, they sold yeah, to Disney yeah. that Maul was the big bad of the second well, uh, can I the third arc if you Can will. I add one more like one more uh, uh spoke to the wheel as it were as we're mm. sitting here going around Go for it. Mm-hmm. There's a uh what is it the SXSW convention that's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Katie Sackoff apparently in an interview said that uh, on set that this thing was referred to as the crone. Mm. Does that imply the that crone. it might actually be female? The crone, dude. Crone. Oh my god. Yeah. Hmm. So I wow. don't know what to make of that. Do Mother you have Towson. any insight on that? <laughs> Mother Towson. Uh, Towson? That just know. makes that makes me that makes me go. But what's their connection to Mandalore specifically? I, I don't know. That, that's again, I'm at a loss of. I just don't know where to go with that. And, and do they ever tell us that the mines have been drained of uh, uh, minerals? Beskar? No, they don't. But because I mean, no. there's another food source. Like anybody coming looking for Beskar, <laughs> they're going to go towards that mine. <laughs> well, we have a bunch of time where somebody with a bunch of Beskar is less likely to steal Beskar. <laughs> well, look at how look at the stack of ingots that Mando acquired in season one, all stamped with the Imperial logo. Yeah. yeah. So they definitely so they mined. Uh, no, yeah. they turned it into money, like yeah. enough of yeah, it yeah. that it could be a, a, like a known, you know monetary uh currency physical monetary currency in the galaxy right right what number are we on right now i don't know i don't know either i got too uh, i got too upset talking <laughs> probably 22 here okay i think we are i think we're on 22 so let's are we ready to move ahead I yeah let's do so. it i'm sure we'll come back to it eventually Sith anyway. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> i call it a yellow lens with a red backlit with a red probably light. yeah snoke's eye was blue the uh cyborg <laughs> walks away the cyborg walks away and Grogu comes out from his hiding place and tries to use the force to free Mando, but all he can muster is breaking a part of the mechanism that's holding the cage. The cyborg now alerted to someone else in its lair rushes out and tries to fry Grogu with an electro staff while a helpless Mando tells his ward to get to Bo-Katan. Flipping into his pram, he scoots away at high speed. Yeah, this is why part of why wicked. I kept going on to the, uh, the Geonosian thing with the staff and the... Mm-hmm. These are weird parallels too between week to week with what's going on in the other series. We just had this whole like, oh, electrostaff thing going on in the Bad yeah. Batch, and now yes. we've got another electrostaff thing going on this week. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing too. Like in season one, yeah, Rogu throws a mud horn. Oh, yeah, and that's got away more than this cage. 
Mm -hmm. And then you couple that with two years of training, he should have more control. But yeah, well, maybe that goes back to that whole, is it two years or is it four years? Because he may have had two years of training, but then he's also got two years of connecting with Mando. And mm -hmm. as the one thing that I think is fairly irrefutable in this episode is we see a genuine fear response from Grogu yeah, in the cave. His dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the descriptive audio lady also says, as he's using the force, something breaks, which is what grabs the attention of the. Of course. Yeah. The big, know, so. me, uh, metal clang. I think given enough time, he probably would have gotten it right off the hole. He probably could have rendered it open, but. But at the same time, he wants to go slow so he doesn't hurt him. Yeah, I think so. Or again, they're just a weak point in the mechanism and it fell, you know, or it dislodged and ding. Mm -hmm. Oh, suddenly uh... putting a rancor to sleep's not good enough for you. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hustling back to the uh, surface, Grogu is chased by one of the crocodilian creatures that we now see actually has wings reaching the cave entrance. He's met by another Alamite, but he makes short work of that with a hefty force push. Then leaping back into the open oh, no. cockpit of the N1, he points at Calavar 5 to take off. Then just as the unnamed flying crocodile slams into the canopy, uh, sorry, just as the unnamed flying crocodile slams into the canopy and then slides off as the ship pulls away. Um, in another suspension of disbelief moment, <laughs> the, the pram, the magical pram, just mm -hmm. magically boarded it. This is like, this is the Star Wars magic school bus. It's the magical pram. <laughs> he comes flying out of the cave with it. He's what? Several meters feet away from the N1 flips into the starfighter. The lid, yes. the canopy shuts and they're off and gone. There's a wide shot of the fighter and the pram is gone, but don't worry. It's going to show up again. <laughs> I, I actually lost track of R5 later on in the episode and I, I, I had no idea that he didn't get left behind on <laughs> on Kalavala on Kalavala because <laughs> when he was watching the screen, I was like, "That's a really good long range oh, screen." Is he tapped into her ship? And I, oh, <laughs> upon several rewatches, I was like, "Oh wait a minute!" Oh wait, yeah. it is he kind of funny there. though that uh, the crocodile type thing came out of the sewer. That's yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> we get I do a little, like this uh, thing, Minoc style. I got that as well. Yeah. I got that as well. I did like it though. They keep the the descriptive audio called it a gator like, but like it looks way more crocodile like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the look of it though. It looks great. I couldn't find anything on it either. So presumably this is a new creature as well. Yeah. Again, we don't know what lives on Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over at Bo-Katan's castle on Kalavala, the former Mandalorian ruler is alerted by her footman droid. Uh, to an unscheduled visitor, spotting the N1 from the window and thinking that it's Din Djarin again, she goes outside and proceeds to yell at the ship, saying that she wants to be left alone. When the canopy slides open and Grogu pops up, she asks, "What happened to him?" Do and we get orders? A, do we get a voice actor for this 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 um, uh, servant droid? I did not. So it sounds um, a lot like EV99, and looks now that we similar. get a clear, yeah, very similar, uh, very similar uh, body style, except for just the little. Yeah. So, no, it didn't. It so didn't. is that a class? I I just I didn't actually get a chance to look that up. Is the EV is it an EV class of droid? Like like you know like a protocol droid? Uh, I, I believe so. it is. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. so yeah. That would that would that would that would track then. She orders uh, then orders her footman droid to download R5's memory to find out where they've been. And uh, yeah, interesting how she. Which point she learns about R2D2 and the whole 
whole. That's right. <laughs> oh, so that's what ball. happened back then. <laughs> well, we've got to go say Princess Leia. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, cool that uh, you know he's able to take his uh, life lesson on how on his his mapping Navigate lesson that he had ten ten minutes ago. Knows where to uh, go and is able to convince the droid uh, through gesturing at a scope. Fly there. <laughs> so. But that's besides the point. The lesson here is that he is actually learning. It's the same sort of uh, uh, arc that we get with uh, Omega in the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. That she is uh, she is she's learning not from just in one ear and out the other. It's yeah, staying there. She's picking up little things from here and there, which Grogu is going to do as well. Because not only does she get a lesson, uh, he get a lesson from Dinjarin. He gets more sort of history lessons uh, with Bo-Katan as the episode mm-hmm. moves forward. All right, so um, where are we at here now? He is Mandalorian after all. Yeah, he's been accepted in in the cult of two. He's been accepted as a foundling. Yes. I'm going to talk about that later too. He's a foundling. I won't say that he's a Mandalorian yet. Well, he hasn't taken the creed yet. Exactly. But what does the creed mean? That's a whole other conversation we'll have a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. All right, well, with uh, with Grogu and the magically reappearing Pram, and uh, R5-D4 in tow, Bo-Katan takes her gauntlet starfighter. Gauntlet fighter, by the way. It's been around for quite a long time. And she flies back to Mandalore. She circles around Sundari City for a bit before telling them that it didn't always look like this. And then comes in to land uh, virtually on the same spot that Mando did. She tells Grogu that she needs him to guide her uh, to the Mandalorian. And the two set off while R5-D4 scomp links into Bo's ship and watches them on a live video feed. <laughs> I laughed my butt off at this it is the inverse of like this is droid work <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and, and that's then, that's the scene that made me go what what <laughs> i didn't this even isn't... see him in the background <laughs> it's not lost on me that that they're playing r5 like a scaredy cat like yeah mando yeah, yeah. says don't be a baby yeah right? just get out there and do it um but i like this that it is the inverse of like oh you made me go out there and watch now or while you guys watched now i'm going to mm-hmm. watch as you guys walk away and disappear <laughs> yeah. and so this scene has tiktok on fire um of just bokatan walking with grogu towards the uh, the unknown there uh the, the, the tiktok is is a light with uh a mad amount of respect for this woman's uh figure let's just say <laughs> I'm not going to objectify women, but wow, she can wiggle in a in a set of armor, and she 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 looks great. <laughs> she looks great. She does. She's ready Fantastic. to kill. <laughs> Eric yeah. says uh, the lady's got cake. Right. All right. Fair enough. She's got right. skills too, though. That are about to be. Oh, on she play. does. She's got skills, and she's going to unleash them here yeah. uh, in short order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, retracing Din Djarin steps into the Sundari Undercity. Bo-Katan stops at the edge of the precipice, and she removes her helmet to look over the ruins. She tells Grogu that it was once a beautiful civilization that her family ruled over, but now it is a tomb. Reaching the tunnel entrance, Grogu is frightened by another one of those unnamed reptavian creatures, and he actually stops kind of dead in his tracks. Bo says that she understands his fear, but also that she needs him to guide uh, guide her to the Mandalorian. So Grogu musters up some courage, and the two of them activate their lights, and they move on. Along the way, Bo tells Grogu that she used to know a lot of Jedi, and there was a time when Mandalorians and Jedi fought side by side. Then she asks him how good he is uh, with the Force, 
and surmises that he must be pretty good if he was able to get back to her alone. I thought that was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm. A little bit of respect for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little further on, Bo, uh, Bo stops and she gestures for Grogu to move back. Now, something is amiss, judging by the shadows moving through the translucent trinitite on the cavern ceiling, drawing her uh, dual Westar 35 pistols. By the way, if you haven't checked out our Weapons of Star Wars playlist, we covered the Westar 35 in that playlist. Mm-hmm. We can tell you all about it. Bo blasts through the glass and three Alamites fall out, but they quickly get up and they waste no time in attacking her. And even though the Alamites disarm her of her blaster, she skillfully uses the built-in vibroblade on her Vambrace to fight them off. Um, I have to say, um, I am really, really happy that they have sort of let her character cut loose. Oh, um, yeah. Last season, we got to see her brood and shoot things. Yeah. Yes. Now, she's, she was still broody last episode, but she's actually like, oh, this Warrior. is... Level yeah. 10 class warrior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Bo-Katan's not a level one character. No. No, 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 no. No, and she's moving like the uh, the animated series. like the. So it's, happy it's, to see the... Yeah, uh, super great. The energy gauntlet uh, come back mm-hmm. again. I hope mm-hmm. that becomes a mainstay. I'd like that to stick around. Um, love the line. Now, people are really hating on this line. Did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? <laughs> um, we saw it in the trailers. Like they fight completely differently. I I do think that Grogu was probably a little taken back by her level of skill. Yeah. Cause like he's he's not been exposed to too many Mandalorians yet. I mean, maybe what, four in total? Uh maybe. Five in total, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe six with Taz Vizla. Now this is the scene where she actually explains what the Alamites were and that they lived on the uh, in Outside. the wasteland. She also says that they were going to be their next meal, uh, and then you know if they survived, I wonder what else might have too. Now, I, I think we all were like, because like, what did we say in Boba Fett? Someone's going to ride a mythosaur. We all knew, <laughs> like as soon as he said we're going to the living waters, we knew there was going to be a mythosaur in there. But I would say that that cyborg was also a good a good choice. Mm-hmm. Comment from Eric. Eric says that Mando isn't level one. He's just so blinded by the story and his shiny legendary weapon that he's not checking his skills and class features anymore. (laughs) Read your character page. That's all I got to say. Tunnel vision. Right. In the cyborg lair, the creature uses a broken down pump droid to siphon Mando's blood. But then Grogu and Bo arrive and she blasts the pump droid. Advancing with both guns blazing, Bo manages to land a shot on the cyborg, but it doesn't really do anything, and it returns fire with a discharge from its electrostaff that blows her completely off her feet. Now, Bo tries to get up a couple of times, and each time she does, the cyborg hits her uh, with another discharge of electricity. Uh, It's then that she notices the hilt of the Darksaber still lying on the floor and she uses her grapple line to recover it and then proceeds to drive it through the cyborg, seemingly killing it. Again, uh, seeing her uh, uh, getting to, to let loose. Mm-hmm. Also, a little bit of a Spider-Man moment. Here's our first indication that uh, uh, Bo is still uh, of conviction. Mm-hmm. The way that... Sorry, she wields the Darksaber very, very differently than, uh, than Din Djarin does. Seriously. It's not heavy for her. No, not at all. Some could say it's a lightsaber. 
Aha, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. I see what you did. <laughs> Man, I haven't done that in a while. There we go. Well, one-handed uh, too. Uh, yeah. Yes, one-handed. Standing over Mando, still trapped in the rotisserie cage, Bo asks him if he's okay. Uh, what's interesting here, and this this should tell you a little bit about the 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 relationship is starting to change. She uses his name for the first time. She calls him Din. Mm-hmm. She's never called him by his name before. I don't think she's ever used any affectation on him before now. Just you, them, they. But like, mm-hmm. there's never hey, been you. a there's never been a sort of a, a, a coming together moment where they've had a conversation that like she you calls or him I would brother have. the first time they meet. Oh, that's true. That's true. Before she knows about oh, him. Right. He's one of them. Yeah. Right. As uh, Costco Reeves would say. Okay. Well, um, unbeknownst to both of them, the cyborg isn't actually dead. And when it's Cyclopean eye flickers back open, the humanoid head detaches from its body and it scuttles away on uh, little insectoid legs toward the uh, crab org mech suit. Mm-hmm. Din struggles to answer. And when she asks him, are you trying to say something? He manages to blurt out behind you and turns just in time to avoid a killing blow from the hulking crab org. Reigniting the dark saber and her energy buckler, Bo-Katan deftly cuts, wa- cuts off one of the crab orcs pinchers before pulling off a running slide underneath the mech, slicing the entire length of its underbelly. Now, coming back up behind it, the mech spins to face her and she cuts off the other pincer. Now, the mech rears up and one of the pincer stumps, dislodges a section of the roof and the raining debris knocks Bo down. But she's right back up on her feet again and she promptly cuts out the mech's two front legs, causing it to collapse in front of her where she then drives the Darksaber through its head in a downward thrust before cutting it off entirely. Whatever life was left in the creature fades as the mech powers down and the organic eye closes. And now and we it- know what happened to the Modoc money. <laughs> <laughs> in a blurry haze, Mando sees Bo approach his cage before falling completely unconscious. Okay, so... Fantastic so good. fight. I love this. So fight. good. Crazy good. Like yeah, it, it was amazingly good. Amazingly uh, good. And again, with the with the, the energy buckler and the dark saber out, it's like you, you can't help but make that medieval the night uh, the night yeah, analogy, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Um so as I said before, Bo handles the dark saber much, much differently than Mando. Mm. Um I want to touch on the cyborg one last time because in some ways this is kind of the, Oh, you know, I've really painted this thing as a survivor. Um, but when it detaches from the, the humanoid body, it detaches from the organ sac and the biological components of its being. I actually think at that point it, it's, it was on borrowed time. It was already yeah. dying was going for that last yeah. gasp i don't think that there was a redundancy built into the the crab mech suit part mm-hmm. i mean there'd only be one i feel like there's only yeah it could be wrong one set of organs unless we've got some other organs that are backup organs you figure that are, there's just the brain and one eyeball attached and maybe there's, yeah. there's flesh i mean it's it's certainly a left eye you can see the brow ridge and the inside yeah. of the yeah yeah of the left eye and stuff but it is um you got, I, I'm just, you know, I picture a brain in there. It's a brain in a jar. It's Kang. Yeah. The thing is Kang, right? It's half a brain, I mean, maybe. 
Teenage Mutant, not Kang the Conqueror, but from no, Teenage no, Mutant Kang Ninja from Turtles. TMNT. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. From Dimension X. Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do think that it was dying when it disconnected from the humanoid body um, because of the whole it, again the grievous analogy, right? That uh, that organ sack. Yeah, once you and, get rid uh, of uh, the vitals. Exactly, exactly. No more, uh, no more go juice. So we were living on, running on borrowed time there. Okay, well, waking up, Mando finds himself reclined against a rock back up on the precipice that overlooks the Sundari Undercity. A few feet away, Bo-Katan prepares some food on a makeshift stove while Grogu watches with a handout, waiting for a handout. Um, He thanks Bo-Katan for saving his life, and he tells her that she was right. The planet wasn't cursed. Rhetorically, she says, was I? Adding, uh, look around. She offers Mando a cup of pog soup. Pog soup. There's no there's no reference for that. We don't know mm-hmm. what it is, nope. other than what she tells him that any Mandalorian right. worth their armor was raised on it. Now it's he not shares pog soup. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? Now he does not share the, uh, the game from the early nineties. <laughs> pogs, yeah, yeah. The things from the inside of your milk mm-hmm. bottles. Look, it's Alf, he's back in pog form. <laughs> Mando does share the soup with Grogu, and uh, Bo tells them that many Mandalorians were raised uh, eating it. Getting to his feet, Mando places Grogu in the pram, and he collects his weapons. Uh, Bo tells him that he should rest, and they'll get back to her ship in good time. But Mando insists that he has to continue his quest into the mines and the living waters within. Now, Bo criticizes him for believing the stories, and she tells him there's nothing magic about the water. Then Mando talks about the creed. And he asks, what are they without it? With their people scattered like stars across the galaxy, it is what has allowed them to survive. He says that for rescuing him, he will always be in her debt. But until he uh, he's met his obligation, he just can't go with her. And having come this far, Bo suddenly offers to take Mando to the mines. If for no other reason, then he won't be able to find them on his own. What do you think about this uh, sudden change of heart? I, I I agree with it. She's there. She knows the way. It'll save him time and keep him alive. So funny yeah. meme going around too. It's basically like, um, don't, don't, can't you just set policy? Can't you just say to the armor, "You're not a Mandalorian. I have the sword." Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, but at the same time, she's not wrong. He, like, he's, there's he's nothing pretty, magic about it. He's pretty humble. Like he, like he, he doesn't understand that right now. He's hey, go figure. Uh, he's the leader of Mandalore. He doesn't get that right now. He he no. he he could set policy. He could say everybody wears their helmets sure. backwards. Yeah, really. <laughs> this is the way. And I don't By think the... he, he doesn't understand how how deep this goes yet. But following it to the letter, he's not Mandalorian at this moment. Yeah, no, according he's, not. he's according, still apostate. Yeah, according to his religion. Yeah, the sword religion. would say different. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like there's a bit of a ch- uh, shift here, um, especially given what Bo-Katan says later on when we get further into the, the, the downstairs, as it were. Yeah. Um, I feel like she has every reason to want to go for for herself, if for no other reason than to to take See a walk down there, take a walk down memory lane. She she has a very, very interesting, fond recollection of some of the childhood events uh, that she went through with her father. And she thinks, yeah, she says some things I didn't actually realize about the character, even though we spent a lot of time with her throughout yes. the years, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a throwaway line from season two of Mando where Boba Fett calls her princess. 
And I thought it was a Han Solo reference. I really did think it was just and like now that cavalier here we are. so long princess. But then yeah. she qualifies something here that I didn't actually understand. And that's no, that that's Satine right. is the Duchess of Mandalore yep. through birth. Yeah. Because her yeah, father yeah. is the former ruler of Mandalore. Right. Exactly. Who is this Kreese we've never heard of? I'm really yeah, interested in that interesting story. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam at GoFigure says, real power is having it and not having to use it. Uh, have you ever gone mad without power? It's boring. <laughs> uh, Eric says, he who wields the pen writes the rules. That is so true. And just, I mean, just making policy. It's not like, it's, you know, like, I guess it's pretty <laughs> radical. <laughs> I also think that this is the first inkling where these two characters are now at a, at a they are both at a turning point. Um, where they were like, let's say that they were on the scale of, of the Mandalorian creed, that they were the bookends. They, they are now both looking inward at, uh, a little more towards each other. Now that they are mm. finally starting to maybe yeah. realize that there's some commonality between the two of them, which I, we're going to expound upon. It's funny you say, but at the end, I want to, when we wrap up the episode, I have a, I have a theory, like a big long hail Mary theory. Yeah. And it, yeah, it yeah. involves bookends in, in, in a, in a lot of ways. Well, I, I have some some thoughts on that as well on how this episode both both contrasts and the similarities to the last episode, uh, and I and I have some thoughts about that that I want to talk about. But we got to get there first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, later the Mandalorians walk down an empty street, and uh, Din marvels like he truly marvels at the idea that this was once filled with Mandalorians. Now, Bo tells him that it really wasn't that long ago, while Din remarks that the destruction looks like it was centuries old. Well, Bo uh, tells him that the Empire set out to punish them and wipe away their memory. Din suggests that it must be painful for her to see it this way after having witnessed its beauty. Now, Bo tells him that seeing their people fight one another over and over is what's painful. That Mandalorians killing each other for reasons that are too complicated to explain is what made them weak. And she says that because of that, they had no hope in uh, resisting being smashed by the fist of the empire then off in the distance Bo points out a huge gate with a narrow slit uh, we're going to moria everybody uh, <laughs> running down the slit running down the, the the length of it and she declares that they have reached the entrance to the mines all right now um adam says that all the best theories involve bookends absolutely <laughs> comment from doug doug says if the followers are religious he can only change so much but they'll um, believe in the sword. They believe in the cross, not necessarily the guy. Right. That's mm. that's a problem with Christianity, right? They believe in the sword. Bo-Katan literally lays it out to him last episode. You wave that thing around and they'll do anything. And they you will say. follow you. That's on. right. She did he say doesn't, that. Uh, he doesn't understand how powerful he is yet. I want to take a minute here. Uh, I want to talk about something that could be just, it could be nothing. It could be a throwaway. She could specific, she could just be talking in broad strokes when she says the, the fist of the empire now, she could be simply referring to the, the might of the imperial military. But I also want to point something out. Now, there is a term uh, in Star Wars lore. This is a canon term, and it is the Fist of the Emperor. Mm -hmm. Now, the Fist of the Emperor is a title that's held by Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Is Bo-Katan, you know, Literally suggesting that, that, mm -hmm. that Vader may have had uh, been directly responsible for the Night of a Thousand Tears? Oh, I could definitely see him leading something like that. That's what I mean. Like I, I totally buy into that and I buy into it for a bunch of reasons too. Mostly that, uh, you know, Vader's lust to hurt Obi-Wan Kenobi and knowing, you know, Anakin knowing 
uh, Obi-Wan's connection to the Duchess Satine, and therefore, by extension of that, the Mandalorian people. You know, anything that uh, that would hurt Obi-Wan seems like something that Vader would be right into. All into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was dead, though. At this point, uh, we don't know. We don't know. When, well, at this point, Night of a Thousand Tears. So, you know what? Obi-Wan yeah. would be dead. He would actually be dead. He would actually be dead. He would actually be dead. Yeah, you're right. Well, actually, we don't know that because we don't know when the Night of a Thousand Tears is. We well, just know that in the time of the Mandalorian right now, yes, he's dead. Obi-Wan's dead for sure. Yeah, there is just so much going on here, like so many holes to fill in. Again, wow. Fist of the Empire, maybe that is a reference uh, to uh, to Vader and maybe mm-hmm. that this this happened at the height of the Galactic Civil War. Does that kind of language put us adjacent to Mara Jade, who's the hand of the Empire? Emperor. She was, yeah, one of the Emperor's hands. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you had said the last time we saw Mandalore in good condition was 4 BBY. 4, four BBY, yeah. Four BBY. And we know that Kenobi takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. That's right. So that means at that point, he knows Obi-Wan's alive again. So this, if this happens in that mm. period of time, yeah, then it 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 could it track. Could it, definitely it could. be him it trying could. to lure him out. It's a high level target. You would probably put your yeah. best. It would be oh, weird yeah. if Tarkin and him weren't involved. But Adam says that needs to be the next standalone film. Vader cutting down Mandalorians for hundred and twenty minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you guys see? Speaking of that, speaking of Vader cutting people down, you see that interview with uh, John Favreau. Some guy asked him who would win, and he and he answered. Like right on John Favreau, he answered, "Who would win, question? Anakin or Luke in his prime?" And he's like, "It have Anakin to be Anakin, Skywalker. wouldn't it? Wouldn't Anakin it have Skywalker, to be Anakin?" Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. What a great, uh, yeah. Uh, a I lot of guys wouldn't throw that out because they I don't think there's any way of arguing fans, that. Right? Yeah, no, not yeah. really. No, no. How do you argue with that? <laughs> it's nice to hear it from the horse's mouth. It is. I agree with you. Anyway, I, mean, I just it, thought. That- Sorry, Filoni suggests that that Luke might not have even been a full fledged Jedi, even though Yoda gives him the term. Oh yeah, true. There's true. A, 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 he got the same interview tracked. actually. No, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting that she used the term "fist of the Empire" and that it's remarkably close to "fist of the Emperor." Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't not address that. So who knows? We'll see what happens with that. No. Hopefully, we'll see what happens with that. Well, uh, entering the mines, Din says it looks much older than the area that they were just in. And uh, she tells him that the mines are actually thousands of years old and the living waters are further below. When Mando asks Bo if she's been there before, she tells him yes, when she was a child. She also tells him that she was part of the royal family and she took the creed. But she says that the rituals were all just theater and pageantry for their subjects that the people love to watch the princess recite the tenets while her uh, proud father looked on. She then resentfully calls it a heartwarming spectacle. Mando suggests that maybe her father was proud, and Bo acknowledges that he definitely was, uh, and that uh, she did not embarrass him in front of anyone. Mando then says that Bo's father sounds like he was an interesting man, and he would have liked to have known him. She calls her father a great man, who died defending Mandalore, a man that we've never met, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, uh, there's no mention. There's no, no, no comic book, no novelization, no animation. We don't know the anything. Closest thing. The closest thing is that they, they say that they, they came for Satine after, just after she was born and took her from Kalavala to uh, the capital. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. her, or her uh, coronation. 
so after calling her father a great man who died defending Mandalore, uh, Din Djarin stops dead in his tracks. And when Bo-Katan turns around to look at him, he reverently bows his head as he offers her the creed, this is the way. And then the three of them continue toward the living waters. Again, there's this, I don't know how do you describe this, this, uh, this coming together moment where I think, you know, in his, uh, his faith in how devout he is, you know, this is, this is such a contrast for her when she's talking about, I took the creed and it was all theater and pageantry to witness it from someone who actually believes it. I think there's a part of her that's, you know, we've, we've heard her refer to it. Oh, it's all, you know, your cult. Yeah. Right. I think she's having a bit of a shift here that maybe it's not as culty as maybe she thought it was. The ideologies start to overlap and you can see like where the, you know, those, uh, those areas are bound to be thicker, you know, like they're right, going to find right, common right, right. ground. Yeah. Eric's got a comment for us. He says the tradition stretches back to the Sith dark council of the old Republic times, uh, 12 Sith with different titles, fist of the emperor, rage of the emperor, mouth of the emperor, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Left eye of the emperor. <laughs> that's more than two <laughs> all right where was i okay after uh, da, 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 uh arriving at an aquifer with a vaulted ceiling bo-katan announces that they have arrived at the living waters inside the chamber there are a pair of stone obelisks that frame a cut stone staircase that lead down into the water uh by the way if you go back i should have put this in there if you go back and you look at uh the the rebels uh, uh, shot long shot of Sundari City. The mm. entire city is ringed with these similar steps in yes. the very same style, too. Yes, Bo tells Din to hang on, I want you to get the full tour. And then she steps over to one of the obelisks that bears uh, a historical plaque, <laughs> oddly enough. Uh, and that historical plaque just happens to be written in Mandoa. And Bo reads. These mines date back to the age of the first Mandalore. According to ancient folklore, the mines were once a mythosaur lair. Mandalore the Great is said to have tamed the mythical beast. It is from these legends that the skull signet was adopted and became the symbol of our planet. Now she is almost chuckling as she's reading it, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's she's a, a cynic. Crap. She's still yes. Like, you know what she you know what she believes in herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hence the. She's a uh, rock in the dark saber. Like right? it's a, like, like it's a knife. She, yeah. she's still like, she's still insular. Like that part of her character hasn't changed. Like why, why does she want to rule Mandalore? Uh, you know, like I think she feels like, and I mean, if there was a Katie Sackoff interview too, like where she talks about the, the character and I think she feels oh, sure. like she's responsible for Satine's death. Oh, there is she, that. She, she's part of the catalyst that like, that caused that, that rift. Again, I mean, like broad strokes here. I think it's it's weird to go back and watch those episodes of the Clone Wars, and it's like, did they did, did she forget that she was part of the Death Watch? Well, no. <laughs> see, and her she was with another Night Owl, and um, certainly uh, Axe Woves, while not having the symbol, was dressed in the colors of Death Watch. Like. The, yeah. the interviewer asks her straight up, are you still, is, is Bo-Katan still involved in Death Watch? And she kind of blushes and she's like, she has one of those, uh, how do I answer this without oh, getting really? Real? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll, I'll try to find the clip. And Okay. And I'm interested in that for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Eric says, Mythosaur, it's in the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So true. That goes back to that meme, the meme that's floating around. The realosaur. Yeah, the realosaur. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Mando wastes no time in walking over to the edge of the waters, and he stares at them intently for several moments, and it's like completely silent, too. She's reading. I don't think he's even hearing her at this point. He's just so... He is literally having... He's about to... He's yeah. having a, a come-to-Jesus moment. Yeah, like, he's, he's having really, a spiritual experience. Yes, he is yeah, oh, yeah. He's very much there. Born again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, Bo asks him if he's all right, and he doesn't answer. He's very clearly having a deep spiritual moment here. Instead, he removes his cape and jetpack, and he steps down the stairs into the water, reciting the creed, I swear on my name and the names of the ancestors that I shall walk the way of the Mandalore. And the words of the creed shall be forever forged in my heart. But before he can complete the recitation with the closing line, this is the way, Mando is unable to finish the words. And not like Ragnar the week before, who was interrupted by a giant monster. No, because the mine is so dark, Mando can't actually see that the <laughs> steps end in a sheer drop off. And like a medieval knight falling off a sailing ship, he plummets into the unknown depths. Beskar is heavy. So, I mean, I, I was making this joke with Eric earlier in the week. I'm like, that guy's got like negative 100 to his swim jacket. <laughs> full plate armor in the water. Full, full plate armor. <laughs> he sinks faster than she does with the ro- rocket pack on. Absolutely. Lauren says Mando clearly can't swim. He proceeds to walk into deep black scary water with his heavy armor and an unpressurized helmet. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> so, you know what happens? You know, in, in the in the uh, D&D analogy now, every time he yes. steps into the water... let me pressurize my helmet before i dip a toe in here that's a puddle (laughs) i'm we've seen him underwater before not fair very well with the corns either Mm -hmm. that's right now i had bo-katan there as well twice rescued Uh, from the water um then we have uh well koska reeves dove in after uh but bo-katan extends the hand and pulls him out of the water yeah yeah yeah. twice now bo-katan has pulled him from the water I couldn't remember that that had happened. I actually asked earlier this week, have we seen Mandalorian jetpacks underwater? Andy, you had pointed out in that scene, although we didn't see it, but she is using, she came out of the water blast rocket. Yeah. Rocketing out of the water with Grogu. Um, And yeah, uh, they do. They work underwater. (laughs) Okay. I just threw this in here because I wanted to, I wanted everybody to take a look at the, uh, the, the plaque, the historical plaque as it were. It is, in fact, written in Mandoa. And, uh, See, Bad Batch? I, oh, my gosh. See? <laughs> <laughs> I actually... Now, we have spent so much time on Orabesh that there was just no way that I was going to, like, check Katie's work on her translation. I did translate the title. It does say Living Waters, and I took it as wrote that the rest of it was all good. Um, but there you go, Mandoa. Awesome. So also while we're here, uh, if you watch the shows with the descriptive audio and especially with the subtitles, you may have noticed that there's some interesting spelling going on here. Um, so when uh, Din Djarin is reciting the creed, he refers to Mandalore in this spelling, M-A-N-D apostrophe A-L-O-R. So that is Mandalore. It is the title assumed by the sole leader of the Mandalorian people. And that is how it would be written in Mandoa. Mandalore, Mandalore, it's the same as the previous definition, but it is rendered in Galactic Basic, 
Also, it is the name of the central world of the planetary system of the same name. And then uh, she said, uh, Mandalore the Great uh, is an ancient Mandalore who led their people in a conflict against the Jedi, who may or may not be uh, rooted in Star Wars legends in Mandalore, the ultimate. Mm -hmm. But we have yet to see if that's going to play out. Mm. Doug, uh, getting ahead of us. The waters are alive. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Alive. <laughs> Something. And Eric says too. Uh, oh wait, wait. Uh, some uh, some kind of unbaptism symbolism thing. She keeps pulling him from the water. <laughs> well, and or is she saving him from the ultra religious end of the thing? It's I, not, yeah, it's still know. not complete. Yeah. Well, so this is it. He doesn't creed, get to finish the, <laughs> the creed is incomplete. Incomplete. Yes. I want to talk about that when we wrap up here. Uh, and again, I'm going to put that up against the, uh, the, uh, the baptism from last episode mm. and how it was suddenly interrupted. Incomplete. At yes, exactly sir. the same the line. Same line. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, um, slamming her helmet on Bo-Katan dives into the living waters and using her jetpack, she rockets to the bottom of the living waters following a trail of air bubbles. At the bottom, she switches off her helmet light and she looks around, spotting Mando's helmet light off in the distance and then swims over to him. Uh, and she starts to mumble something at him, but it's garbled. Like, you, you feel yeah, like she's trying to like, helmet, hey, hey. <laughs> but he just doesn't do anything. And it's not really clear if he's all there or not. Like, mm. he's pretty limp at this point. Well, scooping him up in her arms, Bo proceeds to rocket back to the surface. And wouldn't you know it, the mythosaur is not actually a myth at all. Uh, Bo is startled at the sight of the enormous creature, as evident from the sudden expulsion of air bubbles from her helmet. <laughs> Holy crap, it's real. Erupting from the water, Bo-Katan and Mando slam onto the platform at the top of the stairs. Now, Mando sputters and coughs while Bo breathes very heavily and just stares out over the water. And we cut to black. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you didn't think I was going to give you just a little tease of that, did you? <laughs> there, let's get a better look at the mythosaur for a second here and talk about this. It's got donkey um, teeth. <laughs> it, 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 it's got an underbite. Just yeah. call him underbite. Mm. Um, we don't really have a, a real canonical look at what a mythosaur really looks like. The, the closest thing we have is the skull signet. Mm-hmm. That really is. Now, the skull signet I have here on screen is actually, that's not a rendering. That is actually the uh, three-dimensional wall-hanging plaque. This is from Regal Robot. It's the same company that made the life-size Dejark table and the Dejark pieces. It's got a Harry Potter so scar. It, it, is, it, is a licensed, uh, uh, it is a licensed piece, so presumably they had access to stuff that we do not. So mm-hmm. in um, season one, doesn't the armor have a, uh, a like... I know it's it's an engraven image and it looks like it's made out of Beskar, but yeah. doesn't it not a skull and actually the full head of the mythosaur? Oh, that's a good uh no, I think it's just a stylized, it's maybe smoother. Okay. Maybe I'll we'll right. look at that. We'll we'll take a look at it after, but I think it's more or less what we're looking at now. Mm-hmm. If this is the skull of the mythosaur that uh that Mandalore the Great had tamed, then who knows? I, I don't know. In legends, the the ruler of Mandalore up into a certain point, and for thousands yep. of generations, yep. wore the a skull on on his head on their head. Yeah, like uh, that was the original Mandalorian mask. One of the questions I saw come up uh, quite a few times uh, since the episode dropped was, "Why did it just passively let them go by?" 
because it's tame. Well, this is it. I'm like, it's if not, this, yeah, it's not a predator. Is, if this is the same creature that Mandalore the Great actually was rumored to tame, because let's remember the mythosaur this up was until now lair. was a myth. Well, if the thing's not a myth, maybe Mandalore the Great's not a myth, and maybe he did really tame it, and maybe it's just accustomed to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, or, or maybe maybe that the whole thing was a myth. <laughs> maybe he never tamed anything, and this thing's been lurking there forever. Oh, maybe. That's not my theory. I just hit me now that possibly <laughs> maybe the whole thing is a sham. Maybe. I don't. All right. I want to back this up again, and we can get into this whole conversation. Uh, I guess it's this one we want to, we want to talk about. Um. I want to sort of juxtapose uh, the events of the, uh, the the baptism last week that got interrupted and just like visually, I mean, we have some very similar elements. We have, we have the armor in that one who's leading the ceremony uh, you, uh, or, or witnessing the ceremony. You have Bo-Katan who kind of fills that role in this episode. Yeah. The only major difference is uh, um, Din Djarin is not a foundling anymore. No. Uh, whereas Ragnar is. I have this interesting sort of idea that this is that, again, we talked about how both sides are starting to sort of mesh. As you say, they're starting to overlap. Mm-hmm. Some questions that came out of the of this idea was, is, is Din Djarin, or by extension of that Grogu, going to tame the Mythosaur? And if mm-hmm. they do, is it going <laughs> to be done in a self-serving kind of way, or are they going to do it for Bo-Katan? And I, I have this, like, I have this other theory, and it kind of goes like this. Ragnar did not finish his his creed. He didn't finish his creed, so he's not necessarily a Mandalorian yet. He's he's a he's still a foundling. Yeah. Well, who else is a foundling? Grogu. We've we've already uh, sort of hypothesized that somewhere down the season there may be some foundling on foundling uh, crime, uh, <laughs> which isn't necessarily fair. I don't think that's necessarily fair in the sense that Grogu, as a Force user. Uh, I feel has an advantage, before. but I was thinking about this and I'm like, what if it's, if it's not the adults that are, because look at Bo-Katan and the armor represent two, two sides, like the two opposite, the bookends. Yeah. They are the, the opposite ends of the religious spectrum. Mm-hmm. Who's in the middle. Those kids, those kids are in the middle. Those kids, they don't hate. They don't, they don't, they haven't learned those ideologies yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would it be subversive if it's the kids that unite the people? Not at all. I just I mean, thought it was an interesting. It's possible. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, that one... it, it tracks with my theory quite well, actually. Okay. Um, so the, the first, the first, like now we're talking about Mandalore the Great, but we don't preface which Mandalore that was, but we do. We do know who made the first dark saber, and that's Tar Vizsla. Tar Vizsla, yeah. And then we know that generations, in legends at least, in legends, generations and generations and generations passed down father to son. Yeah. And that, so they got the ruling houses forever. And then, I mean, even to the point that when we we were in the Clone Wars, a Vizsla still wields the weapon, even though they're exiled from the planet themselves. Yeah. So you you have two you have two factions. That's where the the the, the schism is. You have the the new Mandalorians they call themselves. Okay. Who are, who are under Satine, peace. Yeah. Yep. And you have what they're they're calling the terrorists or Death Watch. And remember in yep. Star Wars, the terrorists who were sequestered to Concordia. Good guy. The 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 rebels are the good guys in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. So I think the bookends I'm talking about is like at, at one end you have a, a, a Mandalorian 
who also was a Jedi, uh, taming the Mythosaur or riding the Mythosaur and wielding the Darksaber to ostensibly unite the Mandalorian people. And at the other end, we have a trained, <laughs> although it's two years, you know, we yeah. have a Jedi who's also a Mandalorian who we've seen tame great beasts several times. We, yeah, I mean, well, so, you, you and, can't really count the Mudhorn. It was less of a taming and more of a lifting. But, uh, it, but that's the Rancor, that's, that's foreshadowing if I've ever yeah, seen yeah, it. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and, oh, and the is, Rancor is. is more on the nose. Literally, he puts his hand on the nose of the Rancor. Yeah, it makes um, undies that thing. <laughs> right? And, and so I my prediction is that that the, the Mandalore is Grogu, well, that's an interesting thought. And that the season four is the usurpers challenging him for the throne, led by the armor and Paz Vizla. And that child is not a foundling, but is actually a Vizla. Do they name yeah. they give him a last name? No. no, just Ragnar. I think he's a Vizla. And even if he isn't, so if if Grogu is legitimate legitimate Mandalore uh and he's a foundling, yeah. Then possibly Vizla's foundling, you know, gets his name. Feels that becomes, he's got a, a, a more. So you get this Game claim. of Thrones. You see this Game of Thrones thing happening? Where yeah, there's a, I totally like, do. So season four is usurpers of the throne, led by the armor and and Vizla, yeah. and Death Watch to reclaim the throne from Grogu, the upstart. Yeah, you know, really. The only the only thing that I can't put my pin in yet is how Grogu would end up wielding the saber. The same um, way that Luke did in uh, in uh, Dark Force Rising, mm. she's well, Force. No, but I mean, but he'd have to win it in combat. So oh, that well, means I mean, that Mando would lose it, and Grogu would win it again. So that's that's sort of my my big arc kind of hail mary. Do we feel the need to address all of the ridiculous comments this week going on about how the cyborg is, it was the rightful heir because it got the dark saber, and then you no, know, cyborg like, is clearly the heir to the Empire. <laughs> the dead heir to the empire yeah maybe that was maybe that's thrawn's eye it should be trapped. blue the rest blue of him is trapped in hyperspace it's a yellow it's a yellow lens that's <laughs> true then it should have been green skin yeah that's possible blue skin on a yellow lens it'd have been green true <laughs> color theory but going back yeah. to season one you know, when she first met him, she said, you know, there is another way. Right. Who mm -hmm. said that? Oh, uh, uh, Katie. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Katie did. Yeah. So, but at that point she still hadn't, she was only halfway through her book. Right. I and mean, right now she just found out like a whole chunk of stuff is real. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, if there's another way, she didn't quite know the full extent of it yet. And they can come together and find the new way. Yeah, I think it's important to point out that when when they come out of the water and and they land on the on the the platform, going, she's not out of breath because she had to lift him. She's out of breath. So because of What the hell? That she horror just movie. Saw, like, like so this is like, the other thing. If she crap, doesn't. If she doesn't buy her own rhetoric. If she doesn't buy the Mandalorian rhetoric, why not just take the sword when it's offered to her? But she doesn't. Yeah. Though part I mean, of that, her again, that still whole... knows that blames herself. She took the sword inappropriately and it led to the downfall of Mandalorian or of Mandalore. Like we don't even and again that goes back the, into that. The prophecy that is we, like if you wield it incorrectly, you will you will destroy our culture. And that's what happened. 
the stuff that we don't know, uh, the the dark saber, and this is this is revisiting ground we've we've tread before. The dark saber has this period of absence between the end of Star Wars Rebels and the time it shows up in Moff Gideon's hands. You know that that whole lineage of who who's who in the zoo and who has rights. You know, oh, Gideon's the rightful ruler of Mandalore. Is he really though? Did no. he win it in ritual combat? We don't know. No, he, chances are he, he just pilfered it from Maul's stash. He just no. took it. Right. Yeah. We don't really know. And again, I mean, the average Mandalorian, you know, like wouldn't. So it's weird that that part of the lore doesn't, you know, that's, how do I say it? That's Death Watch Mandalorian lore. Maybe the, yeah. maybe the saber has nothing to do with true. Maybe it's riding the mythosaur that's the actual, and, and, and the sword, cool weapon. Keep it, Vizsla. I ride the mythosaur and wield the force. You know, yeah, perhaps, really. <laughs> you know, perhaps sword it's nothing, right? Because the Mandalorian was a culture, presumably for millennia before the dark saber. This is. I wanted to touch on this a little bit more because those both uh, Mando and Ragnar were unable to complete the creed, and so that really made me think about this, like. What what does the Mandalorian Creed even mean? Does it is it just a collection of words? Does it make you any more or less of a Mandalorian? Well, like mm. Bo said in this one, there's nothing magic about these waters. Right. That's why when they're on, you know, whatever desert planet they were on, she's you know, wrong. Just, yeah, she's just pulling whatever crap water they're doing, trying to baptize them. Right. The the joke. I think Eric had made a joke in one of our previous streams about you know it's a it's a it's the people, not the place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that really what we're talking about here? Uh, being a Mandalorian is about embracing, you know, the 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 things that make Mandalorian people great. Like Bo had alluded to, seeing Mandalorians kill each other for reasons that are too complicated All to explain. All religions with a vast to- tome of uh, information are going to faction up. They're going to pick. They're going to like a uh, uh, life of Brian. <laughs> we worship the sandal. No, no, worship the foot that the sandal was on. No, it's a sign that we should cast off our shoes. Like there's, there's always going right, to be right, right, right. right? So different interpretations. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to grab little pieces of what they think is really Mandalorian and cling right, to it, like right. you know. And despite Bo-Katan lamenting the fact that her people have been at war. For so long, I really think we're headed towards another Mandalorian civil war uh, with remnant factions of, of, of you know. And uh, Eric's Grogu, gonna uh, Grogu will unite them. Grogu's uh, uh, Eric says that his theory is that Grogu will die and Mando will take on <laughs> the Mandalore mantle in a heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right, and that's when Disney sells it to uh, <laughs> HBO. To HBO, HBO. <laughs> or to Quentin Tarantino buys it from Disney. Uh, Grogu. Lauren says that uh, uh, he would have had to have taken it from Bo. Uh, I believe that is in reference to Moff Gideon. Yeah. So yeah, that that is not that. That's yes, of course, no dispute Just there. He would, have, he would have he had to kill her. He would have, uh, you know. I think there's this defeated idea in combat that, has that connotation of I slew you and took the weapon. Sure, right? yeah. but there is defeating people without killing them. Like no, certainly on the ship, like Luke did to Kylo Ren from across the galaxy. Yeah. Certainly. Is is there a ritual? Is there a ritual combat aspect here that applies? Sabine kills Gar Saxon to take it. That's right. Mm. So again, is it the ritual aspect of it? Or is it, you know, is it something as simple as like, I caught you in a cage. I I plucked it off your belt. It's mine. I think that's probably a legitimate way for an Imperial officer to to take up the, the, you know, 
right? Like, and that it, there's no way because the that is going to be respectful the, of anything. No, he even says it that it uh, when he's like, is he in? He's in binders. I think he's on the. He's laying on the floor. He said that the it doesn't have any power itself. The weapon doesn't have any power. The story is what has the power. Yeah, and yeah. by and just by snatching it off her belt and putting it on his, he's mocking that yeah. power. Yeah, he really has. He really has. Well, um, man, this one, uh, a lot of people, this thought, uh, and Eric, you had said it, uh, in your chat earlier that you thought that this was a weaker episode. Um, uh, coming to the end of it now, uh, I go back to what I said before, agree to disagree. There was a ton of exposition despite there being minimal dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I thought it moved fairly well to be honest Best episode ever <laughs> and, and if we are moving towards a mandalorian civil war yeah and the story is what has power what is more power than someone riding that thing out of the mine oh there is that there is that uh lawrence says <laughs> great episode i tend oh, to man. agree with that eric mostly retracing felt padded i agree with you on that i did not necessarily feel the retracing was necessary especially with the same shots from the same angles it felt like we'd seen that already so I can agree with you on that perspective. Um, what I can't agree with is, man, did that episode move so fast? And now we've we've dealt with what I think most of us thought was going to be a season's worth of questing. Quest, yeah, is now out of the way, and just like this week's episode of the Bad Batch, I feel like now the story is about to take off. Yeah, and um, record the other shoes about to record uh, episode length coming up to, uh, Wednesday. Uh, do you want to talk about that, Hank? You want to give us the, the runtime on that? It's like 56 minutes, 50, 11 seconds. I don't know what it is without credits and titles 58 yet. 58-11. Is it 58-11? 58-11, yeah, yeah. A full hour. Now... That's longer than any of the Andor episodes. It'll, it will be a little bit uh, trimmer than that when we knock out everything, but that, by the same token, yeah. it's still going to be the longest episode yet. Mm. So... Your notes were a lot less this week. We did it. We tried a different yeah, format, yeah, yeah. a lot okay, more free form. How felt, did that it feel? It felt very good. And okay. if you look at the clock, boys, we went for two hours and it didn't feel like two hours no. at all. No, I, I really wanted to get back to, we need to have more conversation and yeah, less man. recitation. So. Yeah, man, this felt really, really good. If okay. I really uh, the only thing I felt we thing. missed yeah. was the anxiety levels of our four. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. A little bit with Pelly, and she's like, oh, no, don't worry. He's not that jittery all the time. I feel like I lucked out, though, because when we switched up and I took The Mandalorian this week, I just lucked into an episode that had virtually no dialogue. Mm. Will it be (laughs) the same uh, in an episode where there is a lot of dialogue? I don't know. Depends what that dialogue is. Like, yeah, I mean, we're going to sit and talk about the the specifics of of you know certain things anyway. Yeah, yeah, of course we are. This felt really way. This felt hundred times over. But for those of you who are watching live right now, what did you think, uh, guys? Now, uh, Doug, Lauren, Eric, you guys have been with us for a long time. You know how the show kind of runs. Did this feel different to you guys? Did you like this a little looser, a little more playful? What do you guys think? As we wait for nobody to answer. <laughs> no answer. They're, they're, they're typing. Remember, there's That's a bit right. of a delay. Yes, there's that delay. A little bit of a delay. All except for the camera overheating. That's my fault because I left it on after yeah. our afternoon stream. Lauren, thank you very much. Lauren, love this format. Okay, I like that as well. Um, never want to be boring. Uh, no. I mean, we're here to entertain. And so hopefully that uh, that's still coming through. No, we might pick apart stuff. We're still... I'm still going to watch the Absolutely. Next as much as I picked on, as much as I picked on uh, R5, the N1 droid socket and the cyborg, 
I loved every second of it. So oh, please man. don't don't take it the the wrong way that I'm somehow being you know uh, uh man childish about this of course i'm being man child about this i love star wars, well, when, star star wars show. when we finally get our n1 starfighter toy That's we're right. gonna need to get that droid in there somehow or a pram for that matter it's gonna i have i have a couple somewhere. of toy jowas that we can modify it with so <laughs> okay well, uh, guys, we're going to be back on Tuesday night for our uh, Tuesday night random fandom. Uh, I don't have a guest lined up this week. Uh, I don't know. Hank, you had said you were uh, working on something. I don't know. I was working on something a... that I ended up working all weekend. So oh, I, I might be able to pull something off short notice. But uh, if, if anything else crops up, otherwise, we'll just talk about toys, news, <laughs> cool things. <laughs> I have a, a couple things I'm working on. I've sent myself a couple of uh, headlines already that I want to talk about. So that's going to be uh, I'm actually looking forward to this one, even if it's just the three of us. Guys, I hope you will come along and join us too. It's a random fandom on Tuesday nights. It happens at six o'clock live. It is a call-in show. Uh, as you can see, we have a, a WhatsApp uh, uh, icon on the screen. Depending on where you are watching, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you will find an embedded link in <laughs> our banner. There. It's in the banner on our YouTube channel. It is also in the header of our Facebook page. You can message us through WhatsApp or you can call in. Um, Funny thing is, the only call-in we've had so far has been me. Well, <laughs> except for that pizza order in the oh, first we had the one, pizza, but it didn't quite work out. We had the pizza order from Rolf the dog, but that didn't <laughs> nice, really work out nice, as, way, as well as nice. we wanted it to. We also have a tea public where you cannot get this sweatshirt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get the season two. If logo. you want to pay me three, four hundred dollars I will give you a, a show-worn shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Our season three logo is still up. Uh, Disney has not uh, crushed, uh, crushed us yet. Our awesome. fan batch stuff is still up. We just sold one of those earlier, just before and, we went live. Eric, actually. Eric is lonely as the as the sole patron. <laughs> That's we right. We would love it if you guys would join him, <laughs> help him out, help Eric out by giving us money. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, we we do appreciate all of the support. Uh, the best, biggest. Man, everybody's got a different, uh, you know, a, a different um, uh, a budget. So if if the best thing you can do is to just hit the like button on this video, whether it's in the live stream right now, and that's more or if it's in the replay, that is telling YouTube that you like what we're doing, and that will help to push our videos to other YouTube users who like this type of content. We just want to reach the widest audience we can, and we can't do that without your help. So. Guys, do like and subscribe and uh, share this video with all of your friends and all the people that you're not friends with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be back on. We'll be we will be back on Tuesday night. Uh, the this uh, this this feed right here. I'll be back uh, down there. <laughs> will be fixed and I will be over here again um, because I won't leave the camera great. on for several hours <laughs> in between is. shows. That's where I'll be. Oh man! If it's not one technical flub, it's another. Eh ever evolving that's right listen guys thank you very much for joining us uh, this week uh, as we keep going with our double drops of both star wars the bad batch and the mandalorian we'll be back next week same time same channel uh, but again tuesday night we'll see you then and uh, for phantom power my name is wes i'm andy i'm hank and we will catch you all in the next one bye for now everybody Woohoo! hey guys thanks for listening to phantom power be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.